what is redemptive about Max Lord? Um, his style. <laughs> I think it's pretty redemptive of him to pull off a three-piece power suit. Not many people can. I didn't think I could. episode we did it we're one away from 10 um it's me as always the true outlaw of comics mr old school ramon villalobos and i'm here as always with take em or leave em daniel irizarri <laughs> how's it going What's happy up, new bro? year happy new year to you too so um normally we do a little bit of like thing right here you know we, like i'll mess with daniel or whatever we're gonna save all that to the end of the show because <laughs> we got <laughs> to get into it like we were talking right before we recorded, we got a very special guest with us today to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. It's a new movie. It's Warner Entertainment's new blockbuster hit. They had to get it out for the holidays. Saved a lot of people's jobs, I'm sure, that were like, oh no, HBO Max isn't a complete disaster. Like it's going to be great. The stock prices are going to go up. And you know what? They did it. Everybody did it. They, they did it. They got they the job. They did it, Joe. Done. Um, so, you know, pat on the back for them. Still, they had to slash the comics division because that's worthless. But yeah, speaking of the worthless comics division, we have with us one of the Wonder Woman of comics. We have Leah Williams. How's it going, Leah? Hey, it's great. Um, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here and talk about how much I hated this movie. Um <laughs> I think it's it's going to be a, a lot of fun uh, shitting on it. Yeah. Well, well, you can you can do that. I actually love this movie. Oh, did you? I Wonder Woman eighty five is probably my 85. top favorite. Yeah, I I didn't want to correct you earlier. I want to let you call it Wonder Woman eighty four, but I'm pretty it? sure it's either eighty five or eighty six. It's one of those. You know what's messed up is I kept calling it Wonder Woman eighty seven because that's when I was born, right? And then I'm thinking like, uh, no, it's, it's not close to your heart. I wish it had been Wonder Woman 1984. Like I wish this had been <laughs> treated as an Orwellian nightmare wait, instead wait. of just becoming one accidentally by nature of what it is. I'm really confused. Is it seriously not 84? I think it's uh, try. It might be 83. I think. <laughs> no, I thought. Wait, I think the title is 84. Oh, okay. Oh, oh no, it is 84. Daniel, you. When I say I wish it was that, I mean like genre wise. This little piece of shit. I might be shit. doing a bit. Yeah, he's doing a bit. This little piece of shit did a bit on me, and I'm the king of bits. I can't believe this. <laughs> my, my apologies. <laughs> you know what? Wait, In 2021. Do you guys edit this afterwards, or do you just post the full recording? No, this is raw. Oh, we're, we're going doing... raw. Okay, I, I slightly edit it. Good but to know. Mostly keep... it's raw. If there's something yeah. that you say that you feel like <laughs> I shouldn't have went there, like I went too hardcore. Yeah. You could tell me and I'll edit it out. But, like, the thing is, we like to give our listeners the hardcore, you know. Like, okay. 
Yes. See, I didn't this know. Uncut. And that's why I was like talking in the beginning because I just assumed it was going to be edited out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So sorry. Oh, no, it's not live. I wasn't deep. Yeah, it's not going to be that, that raw. We're probably going to cut until right before Ramon does the intro. And if yeah. you happen to drop any like really bad slurs, we'll take them out. We'll take them out. <laughs> if you say anything problematic, anything very toxic, um, I, I, you know, oh, no, you should leave that in so I can get canceled. Editors yeah, are listening to this podcast and I don't, I would hate for somebody to come on this show and because they're on this show, that's why they get canceled. If they get canceled, that's not, they can do it on their own time. Like Gleb, yeah. Gleb came on the show. Perfectly wonderful guy. He didn't get canceled for his show appearance. People are saying he got canceled for coming on our show and I got to correct the record on that. He got canceled because he's an asshole. Not and we invited him on the show because he's an asshole. But I didn't say, like, ever listen to the show, and that's why people were saying he's an asshole. Nobody yeah. listened to that episode. Nobody. Yeah, it has some of the worst audio on my part that I've I've ever <laughs> recorded. Yeah. So like again, like you're fine, Leia. We'll edit out anything that you're like, whatever. Anything too controversial. Yeah, anything too. But you know, we like to. We like to operate this show as if we have the lasso of truth on us. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, same. Like, that's that's so, how I live my life. I'm that... not worried about what I'm going to say. I'm worried about me messing up your bits because I don't know. It's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Ramon, when, when you say the lasso of truth is on us, are you saying that the show is going to communicate some kind of history and past uh, recollections through the lasso of truth into our own memories. Like we're going to start experiencing uh, some kind of flashback because the lasso has been tied to us. Is that what you mean? I don't even, are you talking about something that happened in the movie? I don't remember that. Is that a thing that the lasso of truth does? Yeah. Like for some reason, uh, uh, Gal Gadot like explains. Uh, on that <laughs> yeah. They just give the lasso that ability. Fucking stupid. It was <laughs> uh, like, I got it. We should start from the. It's okay. We can just jump in. I I don't know, Ramon. Is there anything you you wanted to say before we jump into uh, Wonder Woman eighty two? No, let's get into it. Okay, so yeah, that that flashback. I just to like preface everything else that I'm gonna say in this interview. I hated everything on. Yeah, we're starting in the most random moment of the movie. So. I, I have something to say about everything that I watched um, because I tapped out with 30 minutes left in the movie. Like I couldn't do it anymore because this is exactly why I don't watch superhero movies. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to say that because I've tweeted it in front of my editors before. Like they know this about me. Yeah. You didn't get a call after? No, not at all. I, it's, it's Marvel. They don't give a shit. Um, I, all right. Yeah. Every, so, ever since I started making comics, the last thing I want to do is watch fucking comic book movies. And, like, it's weird because right. they're the biggest – they're the temple movies. So, like, I have friends in real life that are like, oh, come with us to watch whatever. And, like, sometimes I'll go and, like, I'll, I think I saw, like, Black Panther and, like, Doctor Strange in theater for some reason just because I hadn't seen Oof. a friend in a while. And I was like, all right, I'll go watch it. Sure, whatever. And then, like, at the end of the movie, it's like – I mean, that was a movie. Like, it, I had the same experience watching both of them. I thought they were fine for I what they are. I love Black Panther. Um, I saw that in theaters. That was the last movie I saw in theaters, actually. Is it really? And I, or the last, no, no, no. I, last I, comic I, I book saw, movie? Yeah, I, I was going to say that, but then I remembered I did see Suicide Squad in theaters, and it was just forgettable, so that's why. What was the last, um, that was the last movie you saw, period, in theaters? Suicide Squad was, yeah. <laughs> that was a crazy fucking They're just movie. a waste of my time. Yeah. Like, they, 
superhero movies have nothing. Oh no, that just I movies in general. Though. What's the last movie in comics? general you saw before like COVID? Wait, the best movie in general? Oh, the, the last, the last one. one. Last one you went to the theaters too for Suicide Squad. No, before COVID, just like period. Any Suicide movie? Suicide Squad. Yeah, you, you had like, not even gone to was. see like any movie. My movie, my last movie was like The Meg. With Jason Statham. Yeah, no my, joke. My last movie was Uncut Gems. Because I stopped going to superhero movies. I was like, I'm only going for, like, the movies I want to watch, you know? So, like, I go for, like, that or, like, Tarantino movie, Like, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or, like, if Paul Thomas Anderson, if that comes around here. So, I, I don't watch a lot of movies, period. Oh, because okay. my background is in film production um it's what my degree is in my education is in and my like career background so when i watch movies um most of the time i cannot stop dissecting everything Mm, about it like the structure i can tell what lights they're using i can tell when the script supervisor isn't doing their job like so curse to to know how the sausage was made exactly and now working in cape comics it makes superhero movies that much more like excruciating for me because (laughs) (laughs) i can see how the sausage is made on all fronts and Mm -hmm. it has to movies in general have to be like exceptional and you know just like really um nailing everything they're doing on every aspect for me to stay engaged and for it to not like you know, I, I don't get in my head and start dissecting everything. Yeah. Um, why that's did, why superhero movies are particularly a waste of my time. Man, I didn't even know that you <laughs> had that background. That's actually much more fortuitous for us that you're on the movie review thing then. I would have opened with that if I knew that. I should have asked you. Before. Oh, I thought that's why you asked me to be on this episode. Oh, I just wanted <laughs> you on. You sure, yeah. No, that is. <laughs> Ramon, that is the reason. That's the reason why we asked her. I asked you like months ago. I was like, hey, wait, you want to be on the show? You're like, yeah, it sounds good. And then I'm like, okay, cool. And then just like randomly this movie came out and then you were going to be on it this week. So I was like, oh. And all of a sudden you're uh, our second <laughs> film expert. Number Film expert number two. Well, film expert. Shout out, shout out to Dom. B, he's one, you know, whatever. It's shout out to Dom. You're you're the new film expert, though. He's old news. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, where, I mean, where did you go to school for that? I went to Hofstra um, in uh, Long Island. Oh, okay. And it... I'm sorry. Did you say Hogwarts? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I studied film there and because of its proximity to um new york city you know just being like a short train ride away that was where we like shot everything that we were doing um and new york city like the reason so much stuff is filmed there is because it's you know very welcoming to film crews and they give um filmmakers so much leeway in terms of like permits and um what they allow and uh how inexpensive it is to shoot there so that that's my background i did that for four years is that why woody allen shoots in new york every time yeah he can get away with anything in new york (laughs) like i get away with murder in new york (laughs) or other things illegal (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, let's say murder. Let's say murder. <laughs> no, that was a weird choice. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's just Mr. New York. He's Mr. New York movie guy. I always wonder, like, why yeah. New York of all places? Well, he's also, like, from there. Yeah, I know. Right? I'm just kidding. 
half like half of what we're gonna say today is probably going to be not serious <laughs> i have no um receptor for that kind <laughs> your, of your sarcasm receptor is completely off yeah, like I'm 100% um, earnest all the time, <laughs> and it's it's just gonna have to be made fun of. The fact yeah, we're, that I we're, will never get when you're doing a bit. We're gonna have to use the new Twitter codes for communication. That whenever you're making a joke, you should, out of courtesy, go slash S. joke. Oh, jo- yeah. <laughs> Put a content yeah. warning on your <laughs> yes. Content warning, not serious. <laughs> let people know i do not mean what i've just said i feel like that's just my twitter account i feel like if you i should just yes. put parody account in the beginning of my bio yeah leah how do you read ramon's twitter yeah, then do you, do you just do you, do you just think, think he's I, like the worst person <laughs> well it's because i know ramon right. like i i met him in person before i knew his twitter account so that's when his humor his became wacky like, antics. a part of his charm yeah. yeah um so yeah this one movie starts out uh, incredibly, <laughs> in a flashback, <laughs> so, immediately jumping to to the to the film. Yeah, let's just get right to it. Uh, the movie starts out flashback. We see young Diana, uh, doing like oh, Olympics that, or that, doing that. like a okay. doing a ninja warrior. I, I call it women's Quidditch. <laughs> this was the only good part of the movie, though. Like, oh, you like this the part? opening was the only good it's the only thing that feels like wonder woman right exactly but it's also a false start like this is not the true beginning of the movie and what i hated most about this opening was the fact that i loved it so much i thought it was perfect i thought the editing was good and the pacing and it was interesting the world building like it was beautifully shot um and all of this it made me love the first 10 minutes of this movie with my whole earnest heart only to serve as the setup to a punchline of horror 1980s. <laughs> and I hate that so much. I feel taken advantage of. It, it, it started out with a really important message or trying to say a really important message. I have like my issues with the actual events of the opening scene. Can I tell you my problem with the opening scene is that I don't know the rules of this competition that they're doing. So like, they're not stated. They, yeah, they start running and there's like a giant hoop. I'm like, oh, they got to go through that hoop. And then they don't. I thought that that yeah. was the end. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, it's right over. at the beginning. And then they just keep going. And then they're like, oh, OK, well, then, you know, I guess it's just a race and they'll it, catch one. Yeah, other it side. becomes a triathlon with swimming. They start like shooting arrows at these like powder things and they shoot up flags to the sky. It's like this is a complex set of rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like these these Amazonians, they, they were serious about this fucking thing. So no wonder yeah, they had just like an obstacle course. Like, why do you need <laughs> it, it's an obstacle course? You know what that is. And it's a race. You yeah. know what that is, too. So we don't need like the origin story of the colorful arrows and that kind of thing. <laughs> like, I don't know why that's your problem. Well, my problem when... with it is that I mean, like, it's just it's just uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, why are like who designates the colors? You know, like, did they fight over? I want to be red. Problem. I want to be yellow. I, I, I want to be white blue. Bee. I, I'm it's a, like shirts versus I'm a, skin. I'm a details you know, person. It's just a designation. It's it's not. But when they shot them up, they made Wonder Woman colors. I yeah no that that was the that was the thing like when all the three like yellow red and blue I'm like so Wonder Woman's winning. Yeah, is Wonder Woman ahead? But but <laughs> I mean I get it I get it why when I'm watching yeah. it. 
you oh, know. no. Yeah, I see what you're saying now. It is a missed opportunity for world building in that we didn't see, like, the Themyscirian flag that has these colors or mm-hmm. something like that. They're not that, even wearing the colors. Us... They're all wearing right. brown. Yeah, well, yeah they're, they're all they're on all that participating same. participating in the same race, but, like, I see what you mean. It's so a they have... opportunity for And Diana doesn't isn't even wearing blue on herself That's to... A... Right, but she's not like Wonder Woman yet. She's, you know, what a I'm kid. saying. Yeah. These people have her, the technology. Her color story as Wonder Woman is informed by her upbringing in Themyscira. So we should have seen these colors represented more in in the environment. Itself. Yeah, she just she just should have at least had like a like a a blue shirt to indicate her blue smoke to signal That's all I'm like if you're going to have something like that. If you're going to yeah. have a Legends of the Hidden Temple. If you're going to have <laughs> global guts, if they're doing Amazon guts, let the let the people wear the color that they're repping. That's all. Yes. Le- my my main issues are always uh-huh. aesthetic. Always. Uh, yeah, I was just <laughs> it's, realizing it's that. Surface my... level. It's it's baby brain. I'm gonna approach this. <laughs> no, but it's like not an baby brain stuff. Just like moron. that still matters. It's just not something that like. So I don't have the same way of visual thinking that either of you do because I'm not an artist like you guys. I'm, you know, more of the the scaffolding person, yeah. like the structural behind the scenes stuff. That's what I've done my entire life. Yeah, uh, in my case, uh, I, I'm I'm more of just a stickler for the rules. Like, if this is women's Quidditch, <laughs> where's the where's the bludgers? Where's the golden quimbles? There's no plotters. There, there isn't even read, a puffle butt. Are you? That, first of all, don't be transphobic on this podcast. Do not reference Harry Potter. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm see, mostly making all of, of those things up. I'm making all the, of those. Those things aren't up. real things. But, I see. I don't know because I never read it because I'm not transphobic. No, yeah, I mean, like I oh, I read my, it when I was eight, and I. <laughs> well, it's problematic. It's that's it that. Do you? Are you sure you want to admit that right now that you read Harry Potter? Oh, I'm saying like I I read it before I knew okay. J.K. Yeah. Rowling was a piece of shit. <laughs> well, so the I, so anyways, she she's <laughs> going to win the race, but yeah, my the... that's that's my other issue is that like Diana is going to humiliate these adult women easily. She's gonna win. She's there is like the if the message is not to cheat. You could have maybe shown her struggling or a little bit. Yeah, like she's like dominant having until some kind of di- she falls off her little horse yeah. thing. She had one slip up. She got hit by a branch because she was distracted. And she's obviously going to win next year. Like, <laughs> she's just going to dodge the, like this whole big event. They should have shown the well, clip next year where I she thought, wins. I, I thought it was fortuitous for her to fall off her horse right where there was that built-in, like, shoot to the the finish line that she got. And I feel like uh, if this had been Dumbledore, he would have given her points. He would have gave the W. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a Star Trek. He would have got 50 more points for for the shoot slide. I thought it was going to be a Star Trek thing where, like, yeah, Kirk cheated. But, I mean, you're, uh-huh. you're supposed to cheat. But, anyways, Leia, what were you saying? I don't remember. Okay. Daniel keeps cutting <laughs> you off. This is, I'm very by sorry. The way, this is my this problem. Was what, this was an iTunes review. And, Leia, at the end, we're going to read some more iTunes reviews. But... This was an iTunes from last week that Daniel cuts everyone off. And I just want to see, see, he did it again. He did it again. <laughs> I got a lot to say. Well, so do I. Yeah. So she, she like falls off her horse. She goes down the little chute. 
and then um, she's going to win like the last thing and then a woman grabs her this is my other thing a woman grabs her and i thought that's her mom that that grabs her but it's just some oh, other lady it's and her then, aunt. then her that's mom not her mom there's no. two women that look exactly the same in this movie it's the it's the wife from house of cards uh kevin spacey's wife the first lady that becomes president i mean i knew they were two different women but i thought it was the other way around i thought the, the other one we were seeing, like the leader, was um, the aunt, and oh. the one we saw down in the pit was her mom. No, she's like the trainer. This I, is like yeah, the, the woman who it... trained Diana in the first movie. Oh, I see. Oh. I never saw the first movie, so I didn't even know to differentiate them. I mean, I did see the first movie. And That's the other frustrating properly. thing about this movie. The first one was it, yeah. much better. It was. The first one was a really, like, decent and charming movie, and this one was a failure in every aspect. So so the, they tell her the big lesson, and the lesson is mm-hmm. cheating to get ahead, you don't do it, because cheaters never prosper. Although she would have prospered if they would have let her throw that thing, but, you know, yes. unrelated. Um, it's like, yeah, she, they were like, you're a malicious little brat. You don't deserve to win. Like, she fell that, off her That's horse. straight up. And you know, she was just doing I need thing. to, I, I need to interrupt like a total asshole here again, but uh, what I'm reading from this scene, and this is maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it, but could this scene possibly be a meta commentary against AOC being ten times more likable than Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> <laughs> like AOC listen. is Diana, she's. Yeah doing great she took a little shortcut but that's well she's like youngest woman in congress she only took a shortcut because she's smarter she's smarter innovative and and isn't mm -hmm. you know going about things in the same Mm -hmm. um tedious neoliberal way but they're teaching her a lesson they're teaching her a lesson her falling off the horse and jumping on that shoot was basically aoc getting on twitter posting a meme exactly yes. what i thought of <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's and aoc so, on twitch that's aoc playing among and so us. diana diana's aunt is nancy pelosi teaching her a lesson and letting the other amazonians yeah yeah win no it's not your turn darling no like the, like the 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 one that actually wins is like a woman of color and maybe the, like there's a kamala harris thing like aoc needs to like stop <laughs> because it's kamala harris's turn if the one that won is so great, why didn't she save them from fucking World War One? It, <laughs> it's about it Wonder Woman. It didn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, so we flash forward to 1984. It's in a mall. Now this... And suddenly we're in a different movie. Completely different movie. Suddenly everything is slapsticky and the music sounds like those old Beethoven movies. You know the ones I'm talking about? And like the genre, the tone, everything is different in a bad way. Like if they wanted... So my opinion is that um, this movie doesn't actually start until an hour and 20 minutes into it. That's when we're introduced to what the story is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's not long after that that we're introduced to what the central conflict is. So everything before that is just kind of like different types of window dressing. Mm. And if they wanted to open with this flashback in Themyscira that I genuinely enjoyed like it had me engaged and it was the last thing the only thing that had me engaged um then what they should have done after that was cut to like 
Wonder Woman, but it's a Goonies movie, you know? Mm. And my, I think one of my biggest problems with this film overall is that they made, or they attempted to make an 80s period piece instead of making an 80s movie. They mm-hmm, should have made yeah. something in the style of an 80s film because that's what I think a lot of people were excited about when this was first announced and they started showing like teaser concepts um, for the costumes and, and art and promos and that kind of thing. It seemed like they knew what the win here would be, but instead they wasted so much fucking screen time on like, ha 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 fanny packs. <laughs> and Oh my God, it's so fucking boring. This like, is I the, lady, the laziest eighties pastiche I've seen yes. in a while. It is so well, like, think, cheesy and cheap and clumsy. I think the problem it just makes me angry. Yeah, I think the problem is that DC they're like they're just constantly playing catch up and they're afraid to just like say this is what we're fucking doing. So Marvel will put out like the, a a type of movie, DC will like try to match it. And they're never like okay, we're going to do our own fucking thing, you know? So, like, they yeah. do, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Thor movie. Or Thor Ragnarok. They do the ones where it's, like, big, sort of goofy, epic things, but with, like, you know, a fun vibe. And DC is like, oh, we can do that with this Wonder Woman thing. And, like, you know, Patty Jenkins was successful with the last one. Just to have her make them wear fanny packs and, you know, drive goofy-looking cars from the 80s around. Throw in some, like, you know, 80s kind of, like, a mall. And then... That's an 80s movie. Boom. But it's like it's it's like cutting her off from what she's capable of doing. If the last one's oh, good, totally. I haven't seen it. Yeah, that was one of the things that I could definitely see throughout um, watching this entire thing was that she had been like hamstrung on multiple levels. In fact, the entire production team had been. Um, and I can see where it's like a too many cooks in the kitchen kind of situation from the DC executives who were basically giving these marching orders that looked like, here's what we want you to do in order to ensure um, the, the next movie also makes a lot of money. You know, it's, it's not like so many disingenuous decisions that were not creatively, um, congruous like harmonious with anything else going on so that's why everything felt so discordant it's because this movie tried to it didn't commit to one tone or one genre or one story or one movie it tried to make like seven different movies it could have been the goonies it could have been um like the lost boys it it could have been so many different um 80s movies but like Wonder Woman, a Wonder Woman '80s movie, and it was none of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with Ramon, but I I feel like this wasn't a reaction to a Marvel movie. I feel like this was a reaction to Shazam, the the success of Shazam, which felt like a much more like an '80s movie than this does. Like, I didn't see that one, but oh, I was, you I was didn't see Shazam? That's a that's I a really great it. movie. I recommend it. Um, <laughs> Listen to his like, voice. I, I don't. That's the voice of somebody who watches too many CW shows. No, 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 no. Shazam! Like I'm not. I'm not somebody who enjoys too many of the DC uh, film universe movies. And Shazam was a complete turnaround for me. And it's it, not, I don't think it's going to be the same for me because 
or or Ramon. Like as we've both stated, superhero movies are. And I'm I'm boring. I'm a cynic. I'm a cynic <laughs> with all of this, but Shazam was genuinely good, and like <laughs> I, I, so I, like but but the thing is though, when I watched the trailer, I knew what the fuck they were doing because like DC, those movies don't have pop music in them from the minute they started the Zack Snyder ones. And even before that, like the Batman ones, they have not had like known songs in it until they did that one with, uh, blue, like new Mon- uh, new order blue Monday. Like, so like the you could tell also they were- had like a lot of, um, it didn't take itself seriously. And you could tell that this was a theme for the whole movie. Like, I think the success of Shazam was it, it based off only seeing the trailer is the fact that it's not taking itself as seriously as the rest of these. I, I'm not going to go off on a whole Shazam tangent. But, I don't want to hear it. It's not the Shazam episode. Sh- yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I feel like it's, it did set up the precedent for what, uh, a lot of what I saw in in Wonder Woman eighty four. Well, Shazam listen, if, if is, that's the case, is much more. Hmm? If that's the case, and this movie is very successful, I really, really hope that this doesn't set the precedent for uh, Black Adam, a middle a movie about a Middle Eastern character. <laughs> because yeah, I hope be that this isn't what we what they take away from this movie. That'll be a fucking nightmare. I still don't know what a Black Adam movie is supposed to be. I cannot believe that The Rock was cast. You were just talking about how much you love Shazam. What do you? you it's the same fucking thing, except for it's a Middle Eastern version. I I don't know how they're gonna do it. Back to the back I'm to sure Wonder Woman. Then. I'm sure they'll back figure to Wonder it out. Woman. I'm sure they'll get it together. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna be great. It's weird to me that she just left the mascara forever. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because uh, one more thing about what I was saying before you rudely cut me off was that you could tell from the trailer when they did New Order Blue Monday that they had not done that before, except for like a little bit in Aquaman, which I watched like, I think, 10 minutes of on a plane before I gave up on it. (laughs) It just was really bad. And like it was uh, they used like Toto, like go down to Africa or whatever. The thing is, like these people are like very obvious about everything. And I, I get why, because it's just like, it is just a corporate mandate of like, can you make an, a beloved 80s thing, like a fun thing, I guess like Shazam, but also like all these other fucking successful Marvel movies that make billions of dollars instead of us, you know? Like, it's, it. I don't think it's that. It is frustrating. Uh, yeah, like you hey. could just, you could watch it and see the paint by numbers of like what they tried to do of, in this movie, and then just knowing they didn't do it. They were wildly Yeah, and I think that I would even go so far as to say that the mandate being, can you make like a beloved 80s movie is um, already giving them too much credit (laughs) (laughs) because it seems like what they're actually doing is looking purely from a financial um, standpoint as to what is um, selling well, what's uh, being successful and generating a lot of income but they're not looking at why so it's it's like they're guessing and that's why there's so many um you know like missteps in this movie Mm -hmm. it's because they have no idea why shazam was successful or why thor ragnarok was successful i feel like uh netflix they have a pretty sophisticated algorithm of what kind of content that their viewers are going to want and mm-hmm. like Warner Brothers and HBO Max and all them, they have like a fucked up, like clunky one that like blows <laughs> smoke when it tries to figure out basic, like, 
how do we figure out Superman and Batman? It just is like yeah. loses oh, its fun, like just breaks I, down, I th- shoots out sparks. I don't sparks. think they have an algorithm at all. I think they have like a boardroom of of twelve white boomers, um, and very very rich ones though. So they're the ones who I imagine like making these kinds of decisions, and then the way that it filters down to the actual creatives who have you know proven themselves to be completely brilliant in other arenas um Mm -hmm. without these kinds of marching orders is like really stilted and awkward out of touch stuff um at least that's like my my head cannon (laughs) i think i think disney and netflix definitely uh and 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 the marvel movies they're definitely operating on an algorithm of basic bare minimum good entertainment like you will always get like a like a 75 to 80 percent likable movie with the the algorithm that they're putting out it doesn't matter if it's like none of it will transcend but you will get that steady fast food type um entertainment sure and And big difference with marvel stuff too is the fact that the filmmakers are familiar with the source material. They actually yes. read the comics and they are fans of this licensed property themselves. Whereas on the DC side of things, um, multiple times, including with Wonder Woman 1987, um, <laughs> did I do the bit right? Did I? Yeah, 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 that's <laughs> <Okay>. good. <laughs> they, uh, you know, admitted to not having read any of the comics that uh, these characters come from. They I can't imagine Patty Jenkins reading any comics. But uh, well, Jeff I think Johns. That's fucked up. But Jeff I Johns, mean, uh, he he co-wrote this, right? Uh huh. So I mean, there's clearly somebody there who has read comics, but I think the thing yeah, is, yeah, but not like, Wonder Woman. I, His first version of this screenplay was about. Um, it was going to be about like Diana's little brother. It, this movie was going to be about a man. <laughs> It, it almost about, is like, a hero story. It about... was go- was going to be about a man. It is about. Two yeah, men. I feel like they managed <laughs> to push it just like 49 to 51% yeah, like about Wonder his, Woman. His compromise because <laughs> they couldn't make this a Harry Potter movie. Yeah. So um let's let's move on to the so so she has the mall fight and I forget why does she what is the deal with the mall fight? It's just to show that she's in the 80s now. Okay, yeah. So The mall is like, amazing. I love the mall scene. It's stupid. <laughs> It's like it's so it, it has the dumb. the most amazing uh robber character, the guy with the crazy hair and the shades. Yeah, and He's... his acting is like really bad. Um <laughs> uh, I mean it it and in like it's a funny way, so I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or or not. Um, I'm assuming so. Like, I hope they didn't level, expect but... him to go like that and they just had to deal with the fact that that's the actor they hired and he's just doing 110 percent crazy like a kramer like what if they <laughs> yeah. hired kramer from seinfeld to do this scene yeah like this guy heard 80s movie and he fucking committed he brought his like, own clothes more... to the casting <laughs> more than we can say for the rest of the movie but um no this the mall scene was really stupid and so was the like car it's like a heist on outside uh just before this everything here is totally superfluous like this is all icing this is not cake this is not story this is not interesting this was like it doesn't um 
it brings me to like one of the o- other overall problems throughout the entire film, which is that there is no logistical flow throughout the movie. They yeah. keep missing the opportunities to um, indicate to the viewers what is happening <laughs> and, and like the continuity um, and scene transitions and that kind of thing. So what they should have done with the mall scene was use it as an opportunity to set up either um, a Barbara appearance or uh, set up the the ominous wishing stone um, uh, appearance for the first time or yeah, set up like something related my second, to the plot, but they mm-hmm. chose nothing. They chose to do nothing. I was going to say that on, on second viewing, they kind of almost do that as in the heist is they were stealing jewels from a back room of a jewelry store how it relates to the plot until until way later yes you're you're completely right that's i was just gonna say that they barely very barely connect but not in not in any way that is what do they connect to i don't i don't remember the jewel that constantly yeah i i have a list of these incorrect choices that were made (laughs) on this front and they like really bother me um the the heist people were to to just to refresh Ramon's memory like the the people who were doing the heist were robbing precious gems and I think one of the precious gems that was being robbed is the the wish rock. Oh, it absolutely oh, really? is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But were they See, working like... for like Max Lord or? No clue. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know just, about that. There were just a bunch of dudes who were just like also were hyped on a. Yeah. A wish no, stone? it's like it's presented as totally accidental. And Wonder Woman was just at the mall at that moment yeah, and she just ha- and they didn't even use this opportunity to set up like a feel-good hero moment for wonder woman which is what they were trying she winks to do. at the camera she winks she winks with her exactly. off eye by like the way I said, they tried <laughs> but it didn't succeed because it's so silly and stupid you can't cut from like this really earnest themiscaria child wonder woman origin scene to a slapstick <laughs> 80s stuff and and then present an earnest hero wonder woman scene like it, it that doesn't flow it doesn't work it, it is completely disruptive to suspension of disbelief tonally thematically <laughs> story-wise and it's also just not interesting. Like everything was silly and stupid about the heist itself and not even in like a cool self-aware way. <laughs> but Leia, Except for maybe that one actor who was overacting. Um, love that they, guy. He was just fun to watch. Yeah. If they would have made the opening more cheesy and the next scene less cheesy, then they would have maybe had some sort of connective thread, which totally. is why they should have had them more colors. That's all that they would have needed. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That would have been a good happy medium. The thing is, like, or when I... they should have left it earnest and then not made like a slapstick movie. They right. Or made a Goonies movie. Or they Actually... could have just detoned. Like, do these people not see Stranger Things? Like, you can make a non-colorful, non-goofy looking version of this thing. Or mm-hmm. it, yeah. which actually they fucking did make. <laughs> That's an it. That's a Warner Brothers thing. Uh, because of uh, Leah's observation, like, it feels like the the opening scene of this movie is the last scene of like the last scene made by the people who made the first movie yes yes a hundred percent and 
I have something else to say about that too on that front, which is not something I realized until much later in a scene with um, Max Lord and his son, which <laughs> his Filipino son story too. Um, but that opening scene, um, part of its success is that it frequently cuts to close-ups for reactions. And that is the last time in this film that we pause to bank other character reactions to the story and what's going on. Um, everything else after that, they, they leave it in like medium shots or wides of everybody together. Like there is no 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 pausing to bank for emotional narrative or or build or anything like that and it's really jarring so what happens after she does that do they go to like the uh do they do they meet Kristen wig In, uh, yeah i feel like after the after the mall like intro clumsy Kristen wig she's just yeah. walking and then this is the third time the movie begins um <laughs> Like, yeah, right. The third beginning of the yeah. movie. You could, could probably start, start the here. movie right yes. here, actually. Yep. That's in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> so what is that? Because this is where actually like this is a person who has stuff with the gem. What is one? How does Wonder Woman know her? I forget. She, she does. Does she we own the place? Meeting. Does she own the place where Kristen Wiig works? Why is she the boss there? She's not. She works there. She's a language specialist. So, OK. Here's she walks around like the boss. Example of how because she, that's because she's Wonder Woman. Um, here's another example of how this movie just like completely fails on a logical front. It um, doesn't like give us this information as to where we are or uh, who like all works here and what their roles are or that kind of thing because their focus is again on some like really silly slapsticky oh here's this clumsy 80s nerd and it just <laughs> It is kind of like a wacky geologist office environment. Everyone's just kind of joshing around. So it's supposed to be like the Smithsonian and they all work there. And Diana is the, I guess. Do they ever say the word Smithsonian? I never heard it. No, they say something. I I think they didn't want to get into like copyright issues. (laughs) Right. So it's like how if you've seen the show Bones, it's set at the Jeffersonian, Mm. um, which is the same thing. So like we're we're at a place um, that is partially federally federally funded and also gets a lot of money from private donors and it's dedicated to the preservation and display of like you know historic art and artifacts. And That's if they what have this a place is. and if they have a CIA op who's in there just in case any of those magical artifacts you know could yeah. benefit the you know the global elites in any way maybe that's useful <laughs> maybe we yeah. maybe we drop a language expert in the middle of this you know there's this really great moment where uh the the secretary who's only there to like in terms of uh representation from people of color the secretary is really only there to be like have you seen this person oh meet this yeah. person and i'm glad you noticed that too because this is something that i really wanted to talk about um with the mall scene as well is how this film uses um, black people as a backdrop. So we have that little girl in the mall scene. Could not wait to get to this. We have the secretary. That little girl is Smithsonian. Oh, I'm not done. We have um, Leon, the homeless man (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, that is friends with Barbara um, until he isn't. And let's see what else. Oh, we have um, Emerson, uh, Max, uh, Leon's employee, black employee who gets a couple speaking lines. 
like but that is it that we we see blackness through like a, a wide angle lens they are they are in the background and they occasionally get speaking lines but it seems like such a deliberate choice time after time to cast the black actor in these like you know smaller kind of bit roles um instead of like featuring someone as a lead mm-hmm. and in that way it's extremely 80s yeah <laughs> yeah that's right a- like but this movie committed to all of the worst parts of 80s movies and none <laughs> exactly. of the good parts like the problematic portrayals of middle eastern peoples or using but like rambo you know, black actors as a backdrop like it's so sure this, that's 80s movie this... consi- like consistent but it's also the worst part of it we didn't even get a cool 80s soundtrack that was one thing I really want to talk about with this movie in that, like, there's a real insidious, like, use of identity politics, which, you know, we see every day where, like, I mean, now, you know, currently, where you will give uh, these little roles to black characters, and then they're they're mostly, like, useless, but it's a way for people to say, I'm not racist. We had five black characters in this movie. Like, you could name them all. Yep. And this goes back to, like, what you were saying about the opening scene of its kind of, you know, neoliberal position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, we're doing diversity great, but instead what they're doing is, like, awful. It's racist. These roles are not important, but when you have other other ethnicities in this movie completely deranged uh you know representation of them like you said there's middle eastern people who are just like praying to allah for fucking nukes there's you know horrible like portrayals of like evil egyptian landowners who like want to drill for oil which is like you know yeah they did like egyptians did want oil everybody wanted oil back then that's what they were all fucking fighting over and like you know land and resources and then my favorite part, which we'll get to more in depth in a little bit, was the way they talked about Latinos. Because that's the whole reason I was like, I'm watching this movie. I'm like, I could go, I could do without talking about this movie until I saw Max Lord in this. You mean, you mean Maxwell Lorenzo? <laughs> yeah, but his, but, we're, his, we're, but his we haven't terrible got there yet. secret. His terrible secret is that it, that he's Latino. Yeah, we haven't got there yet. Um, that might be a part of the movie that I like didn't see because if it happened in the last 38 minutes like that's when i tapped no out no it, it it's it's in uh when we first see uh him going back to his office w- where he meets his kid and the the other businessman is like threatening him or like trying to put him down calling him like a loser like i did i did i did my investigation on you buddy maxwell <laughs> lorenzo Go, let's like, go back to the let's go back to where we are in the movie though. Yeah, let's go because, back to the geologist uh, the to the Jacksonian. Lady, let's go back to the Jacksonian. Because the the Jacksonian. That lady is the uh she's from that show Insecure and she's like beloved on that show. I like, you know, I like the first couple seasons, but it's that's exactly the kind of role like that Issa Rae sort of role is the exact kind of person that they use in these movies to sort of pacify people into thinking they're not racist, you know, as essentially exactly. a prop. They, they've yes. get, they gave those people like, uh, you know, Lisa Ray, that actress, I forget the other ones, but like they gave like those black women, a great show that is like awesome that they all love. And then they're saying, okay, now we can weaponize this and use this mm-hmm. real, like to me, very calculatedly drop them in a wonder woman movie. That's fucking awful. 
and that could be seen as racist because it's about white woman, white woman, white man, and then a a villain who's Mexican, <laughs> like a, yes. la, a Latino. I was going to say Mexican. We don't know for sure yet. We're going to get to that. We're, we haven't um, done the 23 and me yet. Yeah, it is racist. It's it's tokenism is what it is. And right. I, I think that, you know, there were so many opportunities in this movie to make other choices in terms of like really easy fixes on set um, for everybody involved, like not have the actor say this one really problematic line. Um, like there's several times something like that or just like changing what it is. But instead, you know, what we get is is like a, <laughs> a, a story about colonization and colonizers in like a really bad way and, and yeah. a racist, problematic way. And mm-hmm. in fact, there was one line where I had to like pause and, and write a page of notes because of how just thoroughly it disruptive it was to my viewing experience. Oh, yeah, this part where um, Gal Gadot was like, uh, who's a Zionist, by the way, um, who looked at uh, her her paramour really seriously and, and said, but all of these civilizations collapsed with no explanation. And like, <laughs> oh my God. Are you, are you, the are you talking about the colonization? Are you talking about the Mayan, the yes. Mayan expert? Yes. Oh, yes. that scene was like, incredible. Yes. yes. I love and it. This is when I stopped watching. Like this is when I, <laughs> that's when you hit X out. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, I all these civilizations, they just ended and nobody knows disappeared why. disappeared without a trace. <laughs> The reason was colonization, and, and it was genocide. Shut yeah. the fuck up. Yeah. Like, I, and also, there are Mayan people alive mm-hmm. today. Yeah. The, we don't the... just have distant ancestors with no access. We have this. We have people trying to like spread the narrative that there are no more Aztec or indigenous or Like Mayan the Mayans are like the Atlanteans. Listen, yes. Aztec blood God. runs through me. I know exactly what you're talking about. I have the f- the fighting spirit of all Mexicans. I, I'm the people of the sun. Everybody knows that about me. <laughs> and um, and they just vanished, and nobody knows no, what nobody happened knows. to them. I'm right, I'm right here. <laughs> That's the funny thing about it is like. And who who just, played that guy? Who? Like uh the 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 actor that they got to play the expert on. M- Mayan, Mayan culture, the Mayan yeah. shaman is just an Indian actor. Like, uh, like, Some, yeah. It's, I don't know why they would hire an Indian dude, but anyways, yeah. Like, oh, so you she know gets, why? Because the they they're white. They white probably, probably every single Mexican they asked was like, "What the fuck you? What the fuck you want me to say? You want me to say that nobody knows where the Mayans went?" <laughs> I, I I like to imagine they were we'll like, get an we Indian have, in. We don't have an East Asian in this movie. Let's just. Get one of the, wouldn't it be quirky if the Mayan expert was Indian? That'd be weird. Let's get that dude. Mm. I think I, I don't think too much credit. Like I'm, he, I'm telling you, it's because his... all of these, like all of the the behind the scenes casting directors and people in positions of power, it's like they're just white. They don't. His know. name was his name was Patel in the movie though. Like he's Indian. They don't right. try to hide that. But they just don't care. Right. I. That's that's obvious. This was payback for uh, short circuit to hiring a white man to play an Indian. <laughs> yeah, they're like in 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 uh, in exchange we will give you yes. reparations. You may be my <laughs> oh, expert. God. 
Um, uh, so okay, so, that that scene so is the, a little so bit then, further along. If we're gonna uh, like, no, 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 I know. So the, she gets the stone, and she's like, okay. It immediately well, they know it's a wish stone. Do they immediately know it's a wish stone? Kind of like one guy touches it for a second. And he's like, I wish I had a coffee. <laughs> and suddenly a coffee appears, and Gal Gadot's like, what? And this is another reason why the mall scene was so fucking stupid because we had an opportunity right then and there to set up the power of this thing and to like instill a sense of foreboding in the audience if we had had that like awesome 80s uh, high sky over actor interacting with the wish stone and making some kind of like preposterous wish with it. You know, like the chaos at the mall should have been based on the stone instead of... Um, dangling a little girl like 10 feet off the ground that guy should have been the primary antagonist of the film the <laughs> robber crazy I, robber guy it would have been lit if he had more screen time <laughs> but he was too oh. good even when the the he other was goon was like dangling a little girl he was michael jacksoning a little girl uh, uh, off the <laughs> off the mall like and then our guy, was our guy was like no court, like no, no don't do it <laughs> yeah but you gotta say it in his like valley dude 80s accent because so I, I i i don't i don't want to blow out the blow out the mic but i i'm just saying that, <laughs> that you're right that that was a we keep going back we keep going and, and rewind with this movie we're, i'm sorry yeah. ramon but it's because that's where the <laughs> the mistakes begin so we're talking about the movie as a whole and like it it got everything wrong from the start and then just yeah. keeps making more mistakes on top of Let's, that and especially there's so many opportunities like so many checkpoints where it could have gone in a different direction and redeemed itself as a story, but instead mm -hmm. it just kept making shitty choices. Let's just drop the plot then, and let's just talk about parts of it that we hated. Well, I was, there any, I was... wait, first of all, is there any part that you like? No, I, I love the whole movie. <laughs> um... Shut up! Did you really? <laughs> No, I, like I, in a very sort of the room sense, I really liked a lot of the, the like like, like the fact that like right after the right after the moment where uh, Gal Gadot and Kristen Wiig meet, and they for some reason they go out to eat and they're having this really like passive aggressive conversation where Gal Gadot's like, no, no, I am VU. And Kristen Wiig's like, what? What? Really? What? You're so amazing. And Gal's like, no, you're free. I'm not. I have struggles. And so right after that scene, uh, what would be like a, 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 a like they completely it's like this movie is undoing uh, like Me Too type situations oh, where absolutely. Kristen like Wiig is is very visibly and and anyone in the audience understands it like she's being attacked she's being um assaulted by a strange man and thankfully uh wonder woman is there to to stop whatever would have happened but what what is supposed to be like a, a um it's a, like a threat of rape that they present yeah um, and that but then they present the victim as the villain yeah, but also they do this in the same movie where there is implied actual rape For of real. a man's body because of the body swap stuff mm -hmm. that is like <laughs> completely ridiculous. So some of my notes that I was making about the stuff that I hated while I was watching this is I can see where, you know, if this was a feminist film, here's the choice that would have been made instead of this bullshit. And like, I don't consider myself a feminist anymore because I 
take so much issue with TERFs that I don't want to be aligned with them in any way. I think the only valid feminism is intersectional feminism. So I just sure. want to like preface that first. Um, but if this was a feminist film, then instead of like giving us this weird introduction from, um, you know, Barbara and Diana, we should have just picked up with them already being friends. Like yeah. they should have already been friends. And the way that we meet Barbara is it, it, the way that it should have been it presented is just letting Kristen Wiig be funny because right. she's so charming. Like, you know, that scene in, if you saw bridesmaids, the scene where she's sitting at a table with Maya Rudolph and like pretending to be a penis. And it's so <laughs> yes. weird and funny and charming at the same time. Like they cast this same actress and didn't let her like improv or be who she is and what makes her so fucking funny. And instead she had to deal with this really stilted and clumsy dialogue um, <laughs> that just doesn't it's so hollow and not charming at all so i think that what they should have done is opened with um you know like the scene in in the jeffersonian smithsonian jacksonian where like we meet barbara um as she's charming and an awkward nerd but she's already friends with diana and because they're friends she's like getting you know, trying to pressure Diana into going out on a blind date because she's been single for so long, and that's how we. This is already a better movie. Get it's already, access. To this is why you're a writer. This, this is why you should be writing movies or comics about Wonder Woman or whatever. <laughs> it seems like it seems like it's so much more obvious of a way to go mm-hmm. than like the clunky it is ass that way. Obvious to me when I'm watching this though, and that's why I don't watch superhero movies. Right. Like it just frustrates me so much because I. Like, I believe in, in superhero comics. I, th- I think that, you know, they they bring a lot of hope and optimism if done correctly. Otherwise, they are the opposite. They are And the pieces are there. And racist and shitty. Yes, the pieces are there, but they're being mishandled. Can I say the one piece, though, that isn't there is, like, Gal Gadot, like, she's not a very good actress. Mm-mm. And so it's kind of weird to make this whole movie, like, about her. Like, I, I remember uh, I did see Superman vs. Batman... Again, it was like the same friend. I hadn't seen him in a long time. I was like, going to go see this movie? Like, well, yeah, we're hanging out anyways. We might as well. So we went and saw that. And it's like she was cool in it because, like, the guitar starts playing. She comes out. She's fucking badass. And then, like, she goes away. And it's like, yeah, I, I could see a whole movie about that, you know? And yeah. she, that's probably how she's presented in the other one, too. Like, doesn't isn't, – isn't, isn't asked to, like, you know, have, like, a real, like, emotional thing. And then in right. this one, it's like – it's mostly her just having like an emotional like little journey. Yeah, and um, and it's asking too much of us to to believe that this is what she's going through internally, um, because like she as an actress is not able to sell it. But also the writing's bad. Also the story's yeah. bad. Also the pacing is bad. So it just doesn't work. And instead, like really, this movie should have been an '80s style. Like, it should have been an 80s movie about Barbara. It, it should have been a Chitara movie, and it wasn't. And it, it fails so hard. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird choice also to make, um, like, Kristen Wiig's character. Like, if you're going to have a woman who works in that place be black, like, why not just have her be black? And then you have solve that whole problem. Like, it's just such a, like, you know, you could have had that character do the same exact thing. 
And it's not a movie about like two white women being annoying for two and a half hours. Yeah. Which is like also the big problem. This movie's two and a half fucking hours. Why? I <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't I make think part of the problem is that Kristen Wiig is not and will never be Michelle Pfeiffer. That's yeah. Oh, they also really she, want her to be Michelle Pfeiffer. She could have like if they had just let her be Kristen Wiig though, uh, like she could have absolutely sold this origin story of why Chitara becomes a villain. Yeah, like right. she one hundred percent could have done yeah. that um, because we would have sympathized with her as like this awkward but charming, funny nerd who, you know, like wants to to be not so awkward around people and and fit in like we would have stayed with her every step of the way and it could have been presented as like a devastating heel turn at the end like i can see the pieces of it of where where i would have sided with her in terms of not wanting her to give up the wish and they didn't do that yeah, she kind of, like, gives up the wish, slinks away, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's over with. Like, what does she do after that? Like, I, I don't want I don't want an epilogue. I don't want to know. But I, you do kind of left, are left wondering, like, well, why was she even fucking here? But she is, like, that character is a more interesting part than the other part, which is just kind of, like, madness, which we'll get to in a second. But, um, like, yeah, I feel like... Uh, like you're right, Kristen Wiig could have been funny. Could, this could have been a good movie with like Kristen Wiig and friend. Um, yeah. But, but like the, I think the core of it is they don't they don't know what they want from this thing. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. And um, like they just you know tried to make eight different movies and they didn't commit to anything. They didn't take any any chances. It's it's so, a, it's a movie that that does a lot of uh, uh, telling and not showing. I was just thinking that too. Yeah, uh, like, and they're also not telling us the right thing. And they definitely <laughs> didn't show us. They just told us that Kristen Wiig was funny when Gal would. Yes, that like was that scene starts with Gal saying, "You're so funny," and they never show you why. And like, yes, exactly. And then they do yep. it again later where they, after she's already made her wish and she's like sitting on the counter at work and entertaining everybody, mm-hmm. like you cast Kristen Wiig, you could have just let her talk. Yeah. He's, she's all of a sudden better. magnetic, but they give, yes. they don't give you any Instead, of that. They cut to the really forced laughter of both Diana in that like dinner scene. And then the coworkers gathered around like post bimbofication of Kristen Wiig and already it's that meme where she picks up a book joke. or whatever yeah yeah it's been in reverse she picks up the stone and yeah. then goes back to just becomes so a furry fucking stupid and even that like if we're if we're not going chronologically if we can talk about like yeah, the yeah. craziness of because as as we talk about it I'm starting to remember the later half of the movie and just how insane it becomes yeah and worse <laughs> and she she just says I want to become an apex predator and that makes her a cheetah that would have made her a killer whale in my book <laughs> Like she would have just grown to whale size and fuck yeah, up the plane. She would have like been people. that oh, to me is the top predator of 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 the world if it's not just humans. But um, the the absurdity of just going from the only like the only hints or foreshadowing that she will become a cheetah is that she compliments Gal Gadot's leopard print heels. 
at and the beginning. And later wears some like leopard print leggings. Yeah. Well, it's the 80s. It's, you know. And we're but vibing. that doesn't like right. it, like so much of this movie relies on the wish logic, which we haven't even touched. We like we've been yeah. so busy, we've been so busy <laughs> dissecting so the mall hate scene. About this movie that we haven't talked about the core premise of them yes. making a Deus Ex Machina. It's Deus like, Ex literal, Machina the movie. Yes, like literally, <laughs> and <laughs> like I wish this movie was right. better. Yeah. So, I, speaking of which, let's get to the wish thing. This is the part I've been anxious about. This is the part that I've been like, I, we have to talk about this. So it introduces a character, Max Lord, played by played by our guy Pedro Pascal, Chilean actor, uh, he, Mandalorian. Is that right? Ma- the he is the man yes. in Delorean. Yeah, and he's incredible. He's a brilliant actor. He's so good in this movie. Like he is the one. He is so good. He's so funny. He's the only one that gets like, oh, we should we should be making like people laugh here. Mm-hmm. What if I walk funny and like you know do funny things with my face? Mm-hmm. And he is so good with this character too. Like I I took notes on the brilliant decisions he was making that nobody else was picking up on. Like one of the things he does, a character choice he made was his character um, doesn't. Uh, respect other people's personal boundaries so he's like as soon as he meets new people he's constantly getting really close to them in an (laughs) uncomfortable way yeah yeah but that could have been like if he had had better actors around him because like i love kristen wig obviously but she's not used to um this kind of acting as compared to like you know yeah he's on he's on another level So, right, exactly. Um, So, like, no no shade to her, full shade to Gal Gadot, because there were multiple (laughs) opportunities where it could have become a part of the story where he meets um, Barbara, immediately gets in her space, but it's not, like, what what she should have done was act, like, kind of flustered or off-put by it, because that's, that's a realistic reaction to it. And instead, she was just kind of giving her lines. And then he meets Diana for the first time, immediately gets in her face, um, gives her a business card while like three inches from her face. And she should have taken a step back, like, because that's what her character would have done. Instead, she reacts like drywall. Exactly. Instead, she just does nothing. (laughs) And then later, like the next time that we cut to um, Barbara and Max and they're like laughing together and flirting and like sitting really close to each other. Like, it would have made it seem like, you know, there's chemistry that has been established off scene, you know, like off off the screen, like it, it would have already happened. And then there would have been some sort of like story narrative actually happening. Mm-hmm. But that didn't yeah. happen. <laughs> so like a tribute to Pedro Pascal's skill as an actor is the fact that he I feel like he had been training for like a year uh in the mandalorian and how to act while never showing his face right it's like working like acting with a crutch and i feel like this film is kind of like that where he still blows everyone out of the water without his mustache yeah and here's the thing is we learned that that little baby yoda puppet so much Mm -hmm. more charismatic than gal gadot that little puppet puppet has so much more to act with yeah (laughs) i haven't seen i've only seen I only saw one episode of the show. I had to watch my guy Robert Rodriguez get his shit off. But I mean that little puppet was adorable. I understand the sensation. I love it. You're getting I one. I love that little guy. 
I'm not getting one, but I, I understand why people would. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's adorable. Yeah. Gal Gadot. And Gal Gadot, she's a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. but she has no energy. She has no life. She and has she's no. She's a Zionist. She's, <laughs> she's a Zionist. We, we haven't even touched on the actual politics of that. She has a black heart. She <laughs> definitely does. Um, and and I was gonna say uh, when we mentioned uh, why it works better in the first movie is the fact that like she plays a fish out of water in the first movie, right. and in this movie she's supposed to be a person who's been in the in the rest of the world for decades, and she's supposed to be confident and right. And Chris Pine, meanwhile, he's right. the fish out of water in this scenario, which yeah. I don't buy. And at he's all. still way more confident. He still immediately adapts. We haven't even and talked also, about. Like, more we haven't. We need to get there. To look at and and he's the better actor. Yeah. Um, but let's go back to Max Leon, though. Yeah. Yeah, let's go back but, to Maxwell Lord. He, um, I keep calling him Max Leon. I don't know why. Um, what's his character's name? Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord. Max Lord. Okay. So yeah, um, he, uh, it, like, it's not just the actors that are bad around him also. It's also the story that is really shitty. So what they should have done is um, when he makes that wish to uh, like get, you know, become the wishing stone, um, the cost of it, because that's like the premise they've tediously set up an hour and a half into the movie is that it's a monkey's paw situation where the wishes have consequences. Um, What they should have done is the moment he becomes the wishing stone is uh, the kid dies. And this is his villain origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I would buy that in a heartbeat, you know? But yeah, instead... He loves that kid. Leah Williams script doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, the, the kid is... The thing... So here's... Let me let me, let me me go back to Max Lord and his deal in this movie. So at the beginning, we, we see him. He's introduced as a guy who runs a black gold co- uh, cooperative, which is an oil company... That is owned by many owners um, instead of just like a big mega corporation. But, but also the problem worth noting is... that we learned this through the like slapsticky 80s opening. So mm-hmm. this introduction to his character is played for laughs as right. part of like the 80s world building. It is not presented as story. Right. So like it's played for laughs because it, the movie presumes it's hilarious that this person thought that equal distribution of resources of like anybody is like an achievable goal. And like, when, when you think about it, like, okay, oil drilling is bad. It's bad for the environment. It's bad on every level, but the owning of mineral rights to the people that live on there, like he has a map of like Northern California, I mean, of uh, North America. And he has like all these little oil sites where like people are investors in it. And when he goes in there, like he, you know, we find out that, Oh, he bought a bunch of fucking shitty land. So like he, this is, it could never work because it's a bunch of oil. I mean, it's a bunch of land with no oil, but the idea isn't inherently bad, but they present it as bad because it's an idiot running it. This, this Mexican dude who's pretending to be white, he's pretending to be white because this movie acknowledges that you could not, you could never have a non-white person even try to do this. So Pedro Pascal has to shave off that beautiful mustache, has to bleach his hair, has to bleach his hair, has to go get a tan, has to pretend to be white. And I, from what I understand, people like were saying, oh, this is like a Trump. This is like a Trump thing. He's supposed to be like Trump. But I didn't see it that mm-hmm. way because he doesn't have like the accent and like, you know, he doesn't he did not he's play not it like as a, Trump. No, he's not a fucking slob. So yeah. 
So, like, what we learn about this character, if we go back a bit, is that he comes to this country with his parents. His dad is beating his mom, which is, like, you know, like a pretty vicious anti-Latino uh, archetype that is, like, you know, old. Is this the actual um, comic book origin you're telling us? No, this is in the movie. You see it in a flashback when you, she, like, I think puts the thing around him. or I oh, can't remember that, what this part. This must be in part that I haven't seen. You don't remember this, Daniel? Is this at the at the very end? I don't remember when they dropped this because I wasn't my note keeping was like I was keeping notes and was like oh, I, this, I haven't seen bad vibes. what you're you're saying so it's definitely within the last thirty eight minutes of the movie which from yeah the I think it's the last I'm so glad I haven't seen so 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 it shows a flashback where his dad is beating his mom and then it cuts to his bed being wet because he's a bedwetter and it is a tiny bed just soaked in the yellowest urine I've ever seen. This kid had a bladder like a fucking Jesus horse. He, he pissed the shit out of his bed. I get why. These have to, it's flashing. It was so like somebody know, killed that yellow bed. bastard on the bed. But this is also like, like they don't need that. They don't right. need to show that flashback to make him a sympathetic villain. They could so, have just killed the son or suddenly the so, kid has leukemia. Like Leah it, just whatever. wants this kid gone. No, yeah, I'm just saying, wanting... like, the, 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 it's so self-indulgent the way they Fully. they keep trying to so, over-establish things that are, like, actually problematic and don't need to be established just at off all. off the child. So the dad, yeah. the daddy's yelling at him for pissing his bed. He This kid unloads a fucking just full body worth of just the yellowest piss I've ever seen. And then it cuts to him being made fun of by a group of white kids mm-hmm. while he because he's wearing like these leather wait why are you saying mm-hmm? you just don't remember no no, no, this no now i'm remembering minutes. now i'm remembering from my the first <laughs> so, time i saw oh, i suddenly, remember the bullying oh i remember my God, the bullying daniel remembers everything all of a like, sudden no, you remember no, this I bullying remember right now the, the bully the idiot. i don't remember <laughs> take the him pee. or leave him that's what they're calling you <laughs> is mm-hmm, interrupting mm-hmm. I, i'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. following i'm following that's, what, that's how you sound <laughs> so they're bullying the kid He's wearing some, like, Mexican horachis, and he's eating a tamale, and they're like, so I'm thinking, by the way, now I'm thinking this kid is for sure Mexican, because otherwise, why would they give him the most Mexican-looking shoes, give him a tamale, I'm sure other countries have it, but, you know, me being Mexican, I'm thinking, I could wear those shoes, I could eat a tamale, it looks delicious. These little white kids are making fun of him, what's he eating, what's on his feet? And then he just looks sad, and I'm just like, oh, that poor kid, I, I hope, I hope... He runs a successful oil company someday. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my wish is for him. And then it shows him the next cut is him now fully grown. Pedro Pascal in his glory, in his new white face, his beautiful suit, beautiful blonde hair. And he's starting the Black Gold Corporation from like uh, an office space. And it's amazing because the movie pretends to be anti-capitalist in a way where like an 80 movie might. Where it's just like, oh consumption is bad and like greed is bad like you know like wall street movie right he's supposed to be i saw it more as like he's like a gordon gecko type of guy just an overachiever american psycho but it doesn't do that because it doesn't ever it doesn't ever condemn any of the structures that would keep a person like that out of that stuff it just says he's foolish for trying it and it just because perpetuates that, what it claims to condemn. In, exactly. Like, impact so like him doesn't getting, equal intent, or intent doesn't equal impact. I don't know how he gets the rock. 
I don't remember like fully. He steals. I don't he, know like, how he seduces. It. He seduces I, Barbara. Yeah. Right, but I don't remember how he knows that it's a rock that grants wishes. Is he really smart about? No, wish he's rocks? been researching it for years and yeah, years. Yeah, like when, when Chris Diana... Pine. Oh, and she hasn't. Chris... He's an amazing. He's an amazing geologist. While he's trying to run Chris Pine and Gal Gadot raid his office for some reason, and so they see that he has a whole bunch of newspaper clippings. Because apparently so there's this, newspaper articles about this frog. Uh, so like, he is a wish rock yeah, genius. Yeah, and he just happens to have um, <laughs> example number like 300 of the logical problems of this movie. He yeah. just happens to have all of these ancient manuscripts. <laughs> yeah, with like coins with the rock. of the wish stone. Yeah. Like there's a whole bunch of like medallions and nobody like casually. And it's never, it's never explained why he has this or anything. It's just shown like... In the one time they choose to show instead of telling, they choose. He just to became obsessed with this rock. At so, some point, yeah. So yeah, so like the thing about it is, it, like I say, I think he's Mexican because he's doing all this Mexican shit. But it explains the Pedro Aztec Pes- element of him, or like the Mayans. Maybe he's part yeah. Mayan. I thought maybe he deserves that rock, but but the what I was gonna say was Pedro Pascal is Chilean, right? So like. You think about okay, he's roughly in his mid to you know in his mid twenties, um, and this at this point in nineteen eighty four or like you know at max thirty. You mean the actor? If he has parents. The the character. I can't. Character. I can't imagine I saying, his, the the character in the movie being less than thirty years old. Like he had to be like thirty five. Right. Uh, he's, he's like in, in his, his early forties. <laughs> He has a he has like a fucking five year old son. Why would that make you think that he's in his twenties? Latinos don't. Make that <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, as as a Mexican, he probably had that. He probably had that kid maybe like around twenty, like nineteen. If we're being Come generous, on. let's keep it real. So, like, I'm just saying, right? We don't know how old he is, but when he's bloomer. shown in the flashback, when he's shown in the flashback, he is already doing like '80s clothes. So I'm thinking. How much further could it be since he started the company? But let's say he's even 40. The reason why he would have grown up anywhere outside of his home country is because of imperialism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Imperialism is what made him this monster. And this movie, you know, is... Uh, sorry. So he, being from Chile, the, the important part about that is, like, America had, like, CIA overthrow like a socialist country out there. You know, like Allende was killed by the CIA. They don't cover it up. They don't, they acknowledge it. And then they put in a ruthless dictator in Pinochet In the eighties, everybody knew who fucking Pinochet was. He was the go-to ruthless dictator. So to have a guy in this movie from Chile talking about how people should own their resources. And to me, I feel like wonder woman has been a deep state agent since at least the forties. Like how would she even have jobs? How would she exist in regular society without, you know, the United States government knowing that she's a God, right? Like we see here in the later movies, we know that she's on some like secret agent shit. So I just assume that she's in this one too. Right. So like (laughs) that, she is the one who sent after this. She's the one who sent after this motherfucker who his whole goal is at all costs I want to, you know, love my son and spread wealth to everybody. 
and the shortcut that way though like i think you are pointing out what is a huge misstep on their part that could have been an incredibly poignant story they didn't but tell the, but the text is exactly what happens in the, the movie w- that's exactly Woman, what, the spook. Well, yeah i know but it's not presented <laughs> as being like a sympathetic argument like they're they're if, the way that if, it's presented is this guy is making a mistake and it's something villainous. But I was sympathetic, though. But I'm watching it thinking, oh, this poor motherfucker. Yeah, this movie right. does like, nothing to to criticize the oil economy at all. Like, no, it, 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 it just it, mentions it just oil. Yeah, oil. Everybody's trying to get oil. Like, yeah. it, it, it does nothing to in any way explain what the what the world problems of uh trying to seize oil is it's just one person wants all the oil and now that's bad yeah so so the last thing about it about specifically about max lord and why i think it's weird that they would do what they did with him in this movie is do you do either of you have any of you read um like the justice league comics that he was in that he first came out in no no so in the 80s uh, that's when he first appeared in Justice League International. And the idea of that comic was there is like sort of a United Nations of superheroes. And this guy, Max Lord, is the one who is um, he's like bankrolling it. So he uses his money to get, you know, uh, superheroes from different countries like Brazil, uh, Russia, even like he has a character called the Red Rocket. He has all kinds of uh, different international characters instead of just like the white uh you know characters that readers had you know expected in like the 70s and 60s when justice league was like you know big so max lord is but he's just a white guy who's like the the comic does make fun of him that he's kind of rich out of touch kind of a goofy guy and you learn that he can use like uh he's able to like sort of psychically make people do what he wants and that's why he gets nosebleeds that's why they had to have it in the movie and I, I don't see I never watched uh I think he's in Supergirl, but I never seen this it. This movie's so Yeah, no, continue. Sorry. It's just what you're saying is so much easier to do in a movie than this roundabout dumb fuck way of making a wish <laughs> like, rock. Not only the comic origin story that you've just presented, but um the like other other aspect of you know like the actress Chilean ancestry and um identity and what the everything he brings to that what that story could have been had they shown it with that lens like it is all so much more interesting and dynamic than what we were actually given in the movie itself right so the thing is like max lord in the comics was goofy and but he was a hero he was a good guy up until 2005 when uh crisis uh, infinite crisis happened which is a jeff johns comic it's the right? only instance i know about introduction. him yeah that was my introduction to this character where it turns out where we thought that he was just like a kind of uh like lovable goof who like you know comic readers were like ah kind of untrustworthy but you know he's he's technically like on the good side it turns out no the whole time He's been working with the government to sort of keep files on all the superheroes just in case any of them ever, like, you know, break or whatever. And um, w- Blue Beetle gets too close. Blue Beetle was from Justice League International, so those two characters were friends. And when he sees him, he shoots him in the fucking head. And he dies because eventually Wonder Woman comes in and uh, breaks his neck. <laughs> like, he's controlling Superman. 
And he's saying like, I'll fucking kill everybody. I have control of this dude right now. My powers have grown and I'm like, I'm in charge now. And Wonder Woman and Superman, they have this big fight. And then she puts her lasso on Max Lord. Like she's able to get away from Superman. She puts her lasso on Max Lord. Superman comes is like, you know, don't kill him. And then she breaks his neck because he says like, you know, it's basically what happens in Man of Steel where he's like, I will keep doing this unless you break this person's neck. So she breaks his neck, Batman, I mean, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, they all have a big argument over, like, if that's cool or not. And then, you know, what, like, comics happen. Zack Snyder saw that, but, he was like, awesome! I'm putting that in but, my movie. But my point is that in, in, the, in the comic, it's a philosophical difference between, like, she's a warrior, he's a diff, you know, she, but she operates out of love. He's this, Batman is this, and, the, you know, they have, like, the Trinity sort of mm-hmm. conflict. Yeah. And, but that's an iconic image is Wonder Woman breaking his neck. Cause at the time people lost their minds about that. They're like, Holy shit. Wonder Woman just killed this dude. Um, who we all knew from the eighties. He was like a fun, cool guy. Uh, like he's an asshole now, but you know, they didn't kill Hal Jordan and he also massacred a bunch of people. <laughs> so, so it was like, a, it was a weird thing, but it's a, it's a visual that if you read those comics, it stuck with you. So the whole movie I'm thinking, She's going to break this motherfucker's makes, neck. Makes perfect like, sense that that's how this would it's, end. It, it's 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 like Allende and we know that fucking they're willing to do that in these movies cuz she, she broke uh cuz they broke the neck in Man of Steel. So I'm thinking this mm. whole movie is going to be like But they well, haven't might... treated Wonder Woman like that though. And it's it's kind of like yeah. a big misstep in terms of her characterization in the movies versus the comics is that um they they don't really capitalize on the fact that this woman is like not just a warrior but she's not afraid of violence and this is one of the things that is most like prolifically compelling about this hero is the fact that we have a woman who is just not afraid to throw down she will kill you and that is incredibly empowering um but but in like in this movie for example um there was a moment that once again was focused on um what's his fucking character name i don't know the character steve kristen Wiig? chris pine chris just chris pine oh, oh steve steve trevor but yeah steve, chris okay, Pine's yeah fine. no i thought it was steve trent it's trevor god it's trevor, I yeah, every it's trevor. Wrong. um so <laughs> uh there was a moment at the white house when they're fighting oh, right. and we mm-hmm. pause because she has to caution him like no violence is not the way they're under the when, enemy's like, control Right, when our, like, Diana would not be afraid to concuss some motherfuckers, you know? She's like, like, no guns. She's broken so many ribs. She's given so many concussions in this movie. She was absolutely, like, I I made a post about it where I'm like, I would love it if this movie showed, like, Mortal Kombat insides of people's bodies. Those kids, those kids Hurling them into people. Yeah, (laughs) half the people that she fucking rescued saved or whatever like it's so violent but that's one of the things about it it's a bloodless violence yeah where as long as you don't see the blood splatter out of where blood would splatter then it's like it's fine Uh, right in in these kinds of movies leah since you haven't since you since you admitted to having tapped out and and just not being able to uh watch the the last couple of uh how much how much was it 38 minutes. Last I 38 exactly minutes. 38 well, minutes left. at the end, yeah, uh, Wonder Woman snaps this dude's neck. 
um, she finally, this is a movie where she discovers why violence is good and sometimes you can't shut yeah. anyone up. <laughs> no, what what happens, Leah, like just to just to wrap up the wish stuff, right? Is I heard that she makes a speech and the film kept cutting to ethnic minorities reacting. <sighs> so so Pedro Pascal, he... his Max Lord, his big plan is I have to get to the White House. Like for some reason, every time he grants a wish, it takes something out of him. Mm-hmm. Or I, I don't really understand the wish logic. I got to be honest. I was like watching it. It's like there was, like, there was a price it. to pay at some point. But I don't know how he could demand the price. I don't know why he could give a gift and then demand it. I don't understand why he why he needed to. Like what would happen if he didn't? Yeah. So it, I, like, we don't know. He's like, but you have all the, it, it, yeah, all the they, they oil. They never worked it out. But they I have all your men. Made it, as, made it up as they they went along it's all magic yeah. so he has to go to different power players to like grant bigger mm-hmm. and more extravagant wishes but the end goal is he has to get to the president of the united states the of Gipper. america oh no i saw that part i i hated that um, scene and he has to grant access from ronald reagan ish to <laughs> use the satellite system with the particle beams. Yes. yes right because it touches everybody yes and, and the there's touching like a really interesting there's an interesting idea that like there's like a sur- a big global surveillance, which is also part of the thing that Max Lord ties into the, with the comics. So I thought, oh, Brother Eye is going to be in this. Brother Eye is not in this. I was bummed. I'm like, wait a minute. You had the opportunity to introduce Omac in some way and you didn't do it? Horrible idea. Just absolutely stupid. But but he goes in front of everybody. He gets on this like global satellite thing. Every TV in the entire world is watching. They're connected to him. And he tells people, listen, the power, whatever you want, the power is in your hands now. It's like a televangelist. It's... He becomes a televangelist. Oh, that yeah, like, but, he's, but he's not lying, though. I could see this yeah. coming from miles away because they say that um, an hour and a half into the movie. Like, he, he says that he's going to do this. So I, I could see that coming. Right. And then I heard from someone else about, like, the way it gets resolved is Wonder Woman ends up making this big speech the same way but there's like a hurricane where he is gathering so much power i don't know how how the people can actually hear her does she actually get in front of the camera she's she looks like she's struggling in the back and she's talking to herself right but the so he gets there and he's telling people that you can all have the power like you do not like same as his oil company like max lord his thing is like he is almost just like a straight up just socialist in, yeah, in, he's like, giving power back to the people, it. and mm-hmm. then Wonder Woman asks them to give it up again. And this movie makes the choice to cut back to like black people living in poverty, yeah. giving up their wishes. <laughs> I was wishing for, right. as I was watching it, I was wishing for Medicare for all. I wanted some kind of like Bernie <laughs> <But> presidency. <laughs> it's it's amazing because it has Ronald Reagan basically saying, well, Ronald Reagan ish. Saying that he wants like a nuke in every pot, basically. Oh yeah, he <laughs> like, wants I want more nukes, nukes everywhere. And then there's like a a guy who's like huddled up in a fucking hut with like a fucking rifle, fighting off you know these like American soldiers that are like invading their land or whatever. And there's like, yeah, I want a fucking nuke too. And the movie's like, wow, you see what happens? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we want nukes, and suddenly they're going to have a fucking nuke. No shit, he should want a nuke. That's the only way to protect himself from becoming from one of us. these magically extinct ex- <laughs> species that the fucking Indian dude was talking about in the movie. Like, it's insane that this movie, like, gives us this thing where it's like, the message is, listen, expecting power to grant you anything beyond just a happy, subservient life is rude. It is cheating. Anything that you do to advance that is stupid. And we do have this this Wonder Woman type character who will put you fucking down. Like, luckily, he chose the easy way to go. He renounced his wish. He said, my bad. I'm happy. The greatest love of all is not having any kind of power or wealth. It is just being a single dad. <laughs> and I'll take that. And Wonder Woman went, okay, you. you're free to go. Take it. Yeah. Walk out. I don't do have to break your fucking neck. While saying something else, like while presenting themselves as being, you know, diverse and inclusive and like, look at all of these black actors playing bit parts we have. We are doing so good at diversity. But meanwhile, right. like the, hearing you talk about um, the like Chilean identity of Pedro Pascal and about, you know, what that could have implied for this character and the choice to cast him as this and how like consistently it was mishandled. I, <laughs> I also have to say like that part where um, in the confrontation scene where we hear his full name for the first time as <laughs> like, I looked into your background. So like, yeah. this is the way that registered to a white lady like me and my ignorance was, um, you know, this parental figure is using his full name because he's in trouble. Right. No, no, no the Lorenzo was... felt like a threat. They... Yeah, it's like, we know you're not... Just hearing um... you say that is so much more interesting than what they actually did with it in the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... Um... It doesn't feel like it was handled correctly or um, interestingly or sensitively at all. Yeah, it's a... Let's get to the romance. Let's get to the romance because that is something that I think is interesting in this movie too. Because you, we mentioned Chris Pine shows up, and Wonder Woman, her wish because she gets to touch, she gets to touch the rock. Yeah, actually, Daniel had a great tweet. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, what was the when you wish upon her? Yeah, no, rock? It, what? It, it, there was this moment, <laughs> and I shit. could tell where the movie was going, but like if they gave it like this little magical music, and I couldn't help but sort of imagine like. When you wish upon a rock, <laughs> makes no difference who's the cock, and <laughs> and it it fulfilled itself. It 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 didn't matter who it was. And it's such like a bizarre choice that they made to go with that, like this body horror, body swapping thing instead of. Just, just bring him back him appear right because it's a magic fucking rock that can do whatever it yeah wants. Right. like they did not have to imply wonder woman raped a man's unconscious body mm-hmm. because her like the spirit of her dead boyfriend is inhabiting <laughs> that was it, where know? patty jenkins drew the line she was like no he can't just come back it, uh, he has to come through somebody else's body like I, was that Patty Jenkins? Like, I don't know who is responsible for it, but it is such a, like, choice trademark symbol um, that I 
I, I do, this is the thing that I don't understand. Um, I mean, there's a lot of choices I don't understand because they're so stupid in this movie, but that in particular is such an easy thing to avoid. Um, and there were a lot the of thing is like, like, easy things to avoid in this movie, but that is what they've gotten in a lot of trouble over. There are a lot of think pieces about this aspect. So how come nobody saw that behind the scenes when they were making this movie? It's an interesting, it's an interesting idea to bring him back. And I get why they did it because she is bland as shit and he is, uh, not everybody loved Chris he Pine. Totally. He's charming. Yes. Yeah. Like I can He's great. see I why they would in... want to rationalize having Chris Pine yeah. be in another Wonder Woman movie. It's because we like watching him more than we like watching Gal Gadot in scenes. So of course, right. like they need and somebody they got to, to come carry like... ass. But they already have Kristen Wiig. They already have Pedro Pascal. Why do we need like a love story? <laughs> They they got to flip it where they got to flip it where like last time she was fish out of water this time he's a fish out of water but they did it they incorrectly really and it was really weird and uncomfortable <laughs> and we had it like a weird. full minute on like a fanny packs are funny joke um, <laughs> when he was trying on different outfits and then there was opera music at the NASA space museum um, when she was showing him what rockets are for the first time like it was so weird. he's a he's a fish out of water who can fly a modern jet yes. And also he, takes her through fireworks, and she had to can, explain to him what the fireworks are. And right. suddenly, it's the fourth. And he's of July, perfectly fine even flying through it. We've seen, like, we've followed characters throughout the course of their entire day in Washington D.C. We've seen them at multiple public locations, and there is literally nothing before her saying it's the fourth <laughs> of July. It really was a surprise. That, right, it was a surprise, and it should not I was have been. You know, like there would have been reflections of it being the 4th of July while we were at the White House or the crowd outside the White House or literally anything. But but no, it's it's because they wanted to shoot a like jet going through fireworks scene for the trailer trying to. Right. So they were trying to rationalize it. I love that he was like, oh, trains. Wow. It's like, yeah, (laughs) motherfucker, you had trains back then. Yeah. (laughs) As a. (laughs) I don't. As a random side note, I really would have, I want to see, I hope somebody does this at some point, a deep fake in which they put the other handsome man's face back onto Chris Pine oh my God, for the whole movie. Incredible. That guy's a really good actor too. I, oh, is it he? It feels like, yeah, they wasted so much good casting in this movie on shitty writing. There's a, a there's a hilarious thing that they do in this where like she she shows up and she's like, Okay, you got to dress like it's 1980. And she puts him in clothes and he's like, oh, these look stupid. So then, yeah, he gets to do like the 80s montage. And then like he looks goofy. And then he, but, you know, they finally settle on something where he's, at least he has a fanny pack, but he looks, you know, normal. And then at the end of the movie, the same guy comes back and it's Christmas. It's another holiday. And it's that guy. And he's wearing the clothes that she picked out. Um, And it's, that to me was funny because like, uh, well then, yeah, I guess you didn't need to like bring him back from the dead. Like there was a, somebody here that's like well, actually, you. actually, <laughs> you he shared your taste. Be a necromancer, yeah. I, it would have been amazing. I would have loved that scene specifically if, when he sees Gal Gadot, all of a sudden he gets like this sort of like PTSD trauma memory <laughs> and screams out in in terror, just like coming to coming coming to the reality that he was not in control of his body for like. A week. <laughs> yeah. But that, God, so many times this movie just ignored, like, 
logic or reality or, or what would have made a good story. You know, like that's not even how radar works. Even if it is invisible, it still would have shown up on fucking radar. What what was interesting to me is they never allowed Gal Gadot to be anything but like, you know, serious and like strong or whatever. Like they never have her do anything goofy. Like they never have her dress weird. She's always wearing flowy, elegant clothes that would be like stylish then. No, even now, though she's like Diana, like, she's Wonder Woman. Can't... What's true to her character is she has like an impish and funny streak. She's sassy. She's charming. She's always been that way. She would have huge hair in the 80s. Huge. Yeah. That's the thing is like, think about Wonder Woman in the 80s, the way they drew her. Huge Massive hair. hair. <laughs> <laughs> like that's. It's crazy that she doesn't. And actually. she totally would have been the person to like find, um, like leggings paired with a, a high waisted those those hip cut out leotards and leg warmers. Like Diana would have been absolutely charmed. Like a little bit of the clothes that they gave Kristen Wig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually. Yeah, because she says she wants to be like her friend. But then she immediately starts dressing like the 80s character. Like, why wouldn't she just start dress? Why wouldn't the friend be like who she starts dressing like? I know. They only, the only focus this movie had on the fun of 80s fashion was on um, Chris Pine. It, it, it was not on the women. Yeah, Kristen, Kristen Wiig has like a, when, when she tears her clothes apart and she's got like, uh, like a big, uh, like knit sweater and like a short oh and suddenly uh, it becomes skirt. like a mini dress yeah all she, she had to do was yeah. pull that skirt off and all of a sudden she was a hottie under that right yeah it was a real uh what is it called? she's all that moment where it's like yeah she was always a babe under there like we all knew that take Nobody the glasses was off by she's this. suddenly pretty yeah yeah i wish we had gotten like a lingering i wish we'd gotten a, a montage of women's fashion in the 80s instead of chris pine as much as i love the chris pine stuff it just seems like <laughs> A missed opportunity yeah, this... to not do that with Chris and Week. Like we got the scene where she was trying on heels for the first time, and yeah. or, or like really tall heels, the the cheetah print heels, um, and she's in a tight dress and she looks hot as fuck. She looks awesome, but the whole like I can't walk in heels thing, um, even though we <laughs> see her like walking in heels, pretty much fine. She stumbles occasionally, but everybody does. I don't know. It's just so stupid this uh, uh good yeah no the the um, the the fashion in the in in this movie feels very superficial like the the 80s aesthetic that it it felt half-assed and um, yeah it felt like a badly done period piece yeah. instead of the like homage and celebration about like 80s movies it should have been and um, pedro pascal's yeah, like commercial even... feels like uh 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 some telling somebody to do 80s pastiche but with somebody who hasn't witnessed ed- any content from the I know, 80s that was something that i wondered when i was watching this like i did not grow up in the 80s but i've seen and loved a lot of 80s films so I'm watching this and I'm like, did the people making this movie not live through the 80s? Is that what I'm seeing? <laughs> did they not at least understand. watch Glow? <laughs> Glow is right. a good example of how they got it right and mm-hmm. made it fun. Um, I, and and I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up too, like the 80s pastiche and, and just the lack of 
focus on women's fashion because now we should talk about that gold armor, which um, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> the they did not even pay Alex Ross for uh, in in using for this film. I'm not sure if he was even credited. Um, no, I I don't think so. Uh, okay, he, so he talked like, about it. Them. I'm I'm gonna I fuck them for that uh, first and foremost, but also. Fuck them for that um, flashback uh, implied. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're finally scene. at the at the explanation um, for the armor, which is just yes. in the back of a room. And Chris Pine so, looks at it for a second. like, what's this? And then we get the lasso yeah. of truth thing where we're shown how it can also imbue people touching it with like other memories, um, which how how. I, I don't know how the lasso of truth has access to all memories and and why <laughs> Diana would not therefore know what happened to the woman after that point, but she's able to see that. It's never explained because Diana was think... not there. But what happens to explain this armor is Steve gets a glimpse of it. It's huge, um, like in her weird little back room of cameras. Um, and so we get this flashback that shows us these really like lingering silent um slow motion close-ups of furious men's faces one there's about (laughs) three of them and then it um shows a close-up of the warrior woman's makeup her eye makeup and then it cuts to an aerial shot of this woman in the gold armor and we don't see anything of her except how the armor encloses around her and then there is this furious mob of men attacking her and then it ends and this is the point where i got so angry i had to take a walk because (laughs) what it should have been is a flashback that cut to the woman the warrior inside the armor but we don't see what's happening outside of it until that end aerial shot instead they went with it, like an implied gang rape. They they metaphor like they. I am so angry that they made this very stupid choice instead of what the good version of it would have been, which is not do those like weird lingering close-ups of the anger on these men's faces without explaining it, but instead give us her reaction to it. Like lead us into this flashback with the woman herself, the this warrior who died to protect her people instead of focusing on the men. Like I am furious about this decision in particular. (laughs) It's so dumb and it could have been great. It could have been great to, to be there enclosed inside the armor with her without understanding what's going on. We just see her face, her fear and, and like protecting herself from a threat we don't understand until the very end. But they didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, I thought, I thought that the armor was gonna have some sort of like you know magical properties or something or like I thought it was gonna like do something. No, extra it's, shield. It's actually... An eggshell. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just a shield so that she could fight the cheetah, the furry woman. When she goes full, um, yeah, she goes full cheetah. But it yeah. it is it is very strange because this movie. And this is uh, going to talk about the armor. I'm not simply like uh, going back to the movie, but. It, it are you talking about the mall scene again yes i no, i'm i'm, I'm joking i'm joking uh <laughs> this movie transitions us slowly into how diana learns to fly 
or but not even in like an interesting way and 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 <laughs> right. i don't i don't know how what the like it when i watch man I of she makes that. man of steel's flight make sense in comparison <laughs> like man of steel oh like God. he just concentrates his 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 chi or whatever and he just pushes off and 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 he flies in this case it's like she she feels it and then she glides. Maybe there's some foreshadowing well, with because, how Chris Pine describes of, flying. It's because of her love for Chris. It's Pine, her love of Chris know, Pine that makes her fly. He flies. She can fly. They fly. When she's flying, she's with mm-hmm. him. When meanwhile, Something where that dumb. moment should have been is when um, she was falling to the ground with those two kids in her arms and. Like, no, she rolls on those kids. Okay. And and right, so yeah, instead gotta... of rolling on the kids across the pavement, that's when she should have. Those been kids able took to some fly. damage. Yeah. Like I thought it was gonna they be a heroic moment. No, they would have completely like they'd be dead from that impact and rolling over <laughs> and scraping their small soft skulls across the pavement like that. Yeah, they would have yeah. been dead. So, so those kids. Um, the the I I'm sure at this point everybody has seen the problematic like why that is fucking weird that they would even put this in the movie, yes. but so the kids they're talking about is at some point there are, um, Muslim kids playing soccer in this in in the desert as they do right, and what meanwhile Wonder Woman and uh, Chris Pine are in some like you Fast know and the Furious scene. cat chase yeah. They they get they get transported into the Fast and the Furious movie, and they're they're driving down and these damn kids they're in they're gonna get they're gonna get run over by these tanks. It just happens sometimes when when you and they just keep playing soccer. You can probably see that craziness going on like maybe a quarter mile away, three feet to the left to get off the road. They don't the 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 movie posits that listen these little Muslim kids they're dumb they're just playing soccer. I'm sure if you actually lived in that area you would know. Oh, let's not play soccer when giant tanks are rolling at us. A whole caravan. Like they're morons. So uh wonder woman has to save them from getting hit by these these people in these big you know army mm-hmm. trucks so she has them fire a rocket so <laughs> chris pine who's an so... expert at all weaponry at all vehicle <laughs> equipment he's he just gets he on this tack on this yeah, tank and like he's he... like wonder woman here here goes and he just like puts a <laughs> rocket in shoots it he kicks more ass than she does in this scene, but we don't learn until much later that it's because her powers are waning. Mm, like they yeah. should have said that first. We should have been able to kind of, that's the part they should have tell like telegraphed to us instead of how the movie was going to end. Um, the fact that she's noticed her strength is waning and that's why instead yeah, it we didn't had seem to like sit, it was waning during that scene. It, it was because it, it was not, like, nothing that she did intended as plot. Nothing yeah, she did nothing... worked, and she was so right. weak. And I was getting frustrated during that scene because it it didn't pass like the smell test with me. I'm like, this no, absolutely not. She would have demolished them. She's fucking Wonder Woman. Why is she so weak? <laughs> Why is this guy getting the hero moment? And then like, fucking half an hour later, when she and Steve are on the balcony of her apartment, that's when he says, you know, your powers are going away. And I'm like, oh, so that's why. Okay, wish I would have known that goddamn first. Well, they kind of explain it. Like, when she finally, when she takes damage during that scene, like, she, she takes some shots uh, when she's trying but to rescue the, after, the babies. That's after the stuff with, wait. 
Oh no, I'm thinking of of the White House stuff we saw. Yeah, yeah, the the, the White House that, stuff was yeah. was after, That's, but like when she's she gets, when she's doing she the Fast and the Furious caravan scene, yeah, um, she's like taking tanks down, she's stomping tanks, sending them flying. She's like she gets out like this is such a funny scene because it looks so awkward when when Chris Pine is driving when and I, she opens the door and she just starts running like like on a I, treadmill. Off she of runs. I love that though because that felt authentic to her as a character. Yeah you know but just there's like, no okay, lack I'm of done. there's no lack of power there right the running the running stuff feels weird because she's running like straight up she's not running like with any sort of there's like... no lag like where she's catching up to speed <laughs> you know she's, she gets out of the car and so she's immediately as fast. you know yeah. what that running reminds me of when they first show clark kent running in the first superman movie that he's running beside a train and it looks really fake yeah it, exactly. looks, exactly it looks exactly like exactly that like that yeah Let's get back to those Muslim kids, though, because yes. yeah. So, so the so the reason why that's fucked up is because Gal Gadot in real life uh, was in the IDF, what? and the I. I'm, I'm I'm pretending to be the audience that's surprised at this. Oh, okay, like God, what? I was, I was like what? <laughs> you did. And while she was in the IDF, they they did uh, kill a bunch of kids playing soccer on a beach with with missiles. God, I didn't so, even like, know that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Yeah, like that that really happened during like, like I she knew didn't she was do in the it. IDF, but I I didn't know that There was Did she press the button or where, like it's just uh... that's the thing is no, but you know, she had since said like, you know, uh she'd put blame on on Palestinians for their aggression towards them and like oh, meanwhile yeah, like she, while she, she was in the IDF the the annihilation of Palestine and she's been public about that. Yeah, didn't right. she like two weeks ago make a tweet that she was like praying for for the end of the yes. violence? Like just two weeks ago or something. And and she constantly talks about like she supports um Israel's like military actions against Palestine. Um and it's super, super fucked up. Um and again, this is this a situation where DC saw Scarlett Johansson being a Zionist, and they said, "Oh, we could do that. We can get an idea of soldier Wait, in our Scarlet's fucking movie." Scarlett's a Zionist too. Yeah, isn't it? Oh, that was Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah, yeah, was yeah. It yeah. Both. Yeah. Natalie's. Um. Well, Natalie's the next Thor, so either way, they're still playing catch up. If you if you were gonna have a Zionist, you should have had that first, in my opinion. Yeah, like so. <laughs> before I saw this movie, I and. By the time you asked me to be on this podcast, I had seen just a still image of two small Muslim children running away from Wonder Woman. And like, that's that's this frame. But it's just a juxtaposition of Muslim children against a Zionist actress that immediately registered as fucked up with yeah. me. Writing on a I'm missile. Like, I like, and I, I hadn't even seen that. It's just this one screen grab somebody took that I was reacting to because the context of Gal being a Zionist and making the choice to like, you know, obviously I didn't think that the movie was going to be something where she's attacking Muslim children, even though that would have been more realistic. I knew looking at this screen grab that it was going to be a rescue situation, but that in itself is a weird choice to make because it feels so calculated. And the biggest right. criticism against Gal hasn't been about like her wooden acting or, you know, that she's kind of like boring a lot of the time. Um, it's been her Zionist background and mm -hmm. the fact that she like openly supports the complete destruction of Palestine. And, and this is like a really heinous 
position to have. She's an unrepentant idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, showing the fact that um, she, making the choice to show this this actress rescuing Muslim children is so calculated and clumsy, especially because the, <laughs> the way she ends up rescuing them would have killed them, absolutely would have destroyed their tiny that's, bodies. That's the moment that they decide right. to finally show that she has, she's in a weakened state, that she doesn't rescue them perfectly. <laughs> she kind of fucks them up. Maybe one of them has like a broken shoulder. They don't show that. Like at the end, they're like happy to see her and she's like, heroic like the propaganda works quote unquote um that's that's the main thing is the propaganda like this movie is just propaganda and it you know it is while saying that it's not right and that's the craziest part to me is it says one thing and does the opposite but it tells you we're not doing that like it says it's not racist by doing all these like you know uh casting of like you know black actors and like inoffensive roles that are still kind of racist like they still had the homeless guy be black and they still like, had all, the sassy like, secretary be and they, black. they still had the the right. egyptian oil baron wanting to create a wall and to remove uh all the foreign people from his nation yeah they're they still they still did all of it but by saying like we're not doing that yeah, obviously this movie gaslit the hell out of us it's a gas it's, it's all about being gaslit yeah. it's a gaslighting movie it's fucked it up. Is, it um, is. So, I mean, is there any other final thoughts on it? Because I, I do want to talk to you a little bit, Leia, about like just you know what you got going on and everything. Oh sure. Um, I let me. I'm checking. Check your notes. Yeah, literally. Checking yeah, I'm. My I'm, notes. I'm looking through mine as well. Um. Oh, that White House aide that gets them into the White House. That should have been her. If this was a feminist movie, instead of having that character be somebody that we saw already, like hitting on her at a party mm-hmm. that should have already been her established gay friend who does mm. her a favor and gets her into the white house or she should oh, have that would have been so much tour. better already oh my god leo write this movie <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of like in uh i just rewatched avatar and there's a there's a scene where like the one sort of troop that pulls away and like refuses to like you know massacre a, a group of like these navi aliens is Michelle Rodriguez yeah. because she is somebody who acknowledges and understands that she's not one of them. Mm-hmm. So like, like it, you know, if this movie was like a James Cameron type movie, I feel like it, it could have talked about all that stuff and, and like sold it. But because there's only one James Cameron and he's busy. Maybe that's why they got movies. divorced. He, Patty Jenkins. Is this the same Patty Jenkins that married? Yeah. Is this oh my god yeah this is james cameron's oh ex-wife gosh. they made this whole big deal is about she... patty jenkins getting an oscar and i forgot that she was hurt locker lady i for... i just was like oh patty jenkins i don't know she's the wonder yeah Woman lady. so i i I, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if the reason they got divorced is that he couldn't deal with this bootlicker wife <laughs> he's like you're a bootlicker i don't want that yeah. she does have a lot of like this movie has so much Karen energy, like so much neoliberal yes. Karen energy. And Hurt Locker it does make me suspect. Hurt Locker is also a, this Middle East type propaganda thing. If you're talking about like a war movie, um, and her new uh, Star Wars project is essentially Star Wars Army. Oh God! <laughs> like Rogue wow. Squadron. Um, She's very much in the job of military propaganda and and apologism. Yeah, (laughs) like I—that's the crazy. 
Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, do we has she expressed political opinions? She's got to be oh, one she's of those. Probably, I'm she's with definitely her like a Biden, Hillary woman. I, I, I can't like. She's very much one of these women that have been propped up as like feminist icon because she made Wonder Woman. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. But the, the, if they were gonna get a woman director to make this movie, and they should have, Cat Shea should have been the one. Yeah, that's my girl. That's yep. you know Cat Shea. Me. No. Um. Yeah. Oh, I, Leah said, "Yeah, right away." I'm like, "Oh shit! Can we talk about this? Do you know? Do you know her work? Like, what? What's your favorite movie of hers?" Not as like intimately as you do, but I. <laughs> uh... <laughs> You've seen me rant about it, or? Uh, yeah, 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 and um, <laughs> I like that's <sighs> maybe I'm thinking of something. That you... Are you talking about the animator? No, no, no. Cat Shea is my favorite. Um... One of my top seven favorite directors, but she's uh she made a lot of B movies like Roger Corman. She made Strip to Kill, Strip to Kill Two. She made uh, Carrie, The Rage, Carrie Two, which is like in my top seven favorite horror movies. Um, she made um, Poison Ivy. She made an incredible movie called Streets. She's just like a sick female director that has great politics in the movies. At least I don't know about in you know. But, like, they're always, like, really good. Oh, okay. Uh, no. So the cat that I know of is an animator who worked on Archer and the Get Down. And But as soon as I heard oh, yeah, that not... name and thought of Archer and the Get Down specifically, I was like, yep, uh-huh. That would have been better. Cat Shea, Shea's deal is she was a – she was in – she was an extra in, like, Scarface. She was an actress that went to Hollywood, and she was so attractive that people were like, oh, just be an actress. But she wanted to direct and write movies. So – she was in like this. She was in a bunch of like you know Corman type movies, like B movies, and she was on a movie called uh, Barbarian Queen with um, I can't remember her name right now, but she's the woman who was murdered by Phil Spector. Um, so they were in Argentina filming this movie called Barbarian Queen. It's like a barbarian, you know, sword and sandals picture, and. Uh, she was directing like the B unit for a lot, a lot of the movie because it was there's just so much to do that she was just learning how to direct while just being an actress in this movie. It's a that's an insane movie, but so she she comes back, she stalks Roger Corman, she sees Roger Corman, um, and and like goes up to him and just starts pitching him movies like, oh, I was in Barbarian Queen, I was the one that was helping. He's like, oh right, yeah, you're great, thank you, and he's like, okay. Uh, I have this movie about a stripper and she's like, I'm in, I'm interested. I'm listening. And then she, he funds her first movie and she just keeps making them. And then in the nineties, she got kind of like blocked out of Hollywood because she wanted to make like, did you, have you ever seen the movie uh, bad girls with Drew Barrymore? Yes. So she was the first director for that movie and she had worked with Drew Barrymore on poison Ivy. And um, she wanted to make this movie about these like, uh, a, a real Western with like a feminist perspective where like these, you know, these women that were prostitutes, they like kind of get revenge. It's like a revenge movie. It was going to be sick. And like, there was like a whole scene where like, you know, one of them is like, you know, going down on someone like bites their shit off and like spits it in their face. Like she wanted to go crazy. And they were like, we want young guns, but with girls in it. <laughs> and I, I like, I saw bad girls when I was younger. I liked that movie, but she wanted to do like a serious, like gritty Western movie with like, four female leads and they were like no we want a fun light-hearted like romp so they fired her from the movie and then she just didn't get any acting work until she did the rage carry 2 which i saw when it came out and i loved it and then you know then she stopped doing work again 
and then she came back recently and did the new um what's that movie the the girl detective nancy drew and the hidden staircase so she's back she's doing stuff i'm like they should have got her that movie's on hbo max (laughs) she would have been the one I thought you were talking about the animator, and I just assumed that um, she had, like, transitioned into directing, and I still automatically was like, yeah, um, uh, because (laughs) she's not white, and I, I, um, like, (laughs) I I do not think that having a white woman at the helm of... um, the Wonder Woman franchise, especially knowing what I know now about Patty Jenkins, like it's just not a good choice. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't feel comfortable with uh, knowing there's this like neoliberal war hawk directing Wonder Woman <laughs> movies. It, it, it kind of makes me feel sick to my stomach. But um, well, the first one was a war movie that was in her lane. That's why this movie was so weird. Yeah, like, she doesn't. Uh, yeah, do you're totally right. 80s stuff. You know? Guys, I need to was, I need to uh, uh, express a correction. Apparently, they weren't married. I might have confused who uh, who James Cameron who, was married to, but he was married to Linda Hamilton. I didn't know that. No, oh. Who was he? But he was with the woman who did Hurt Locker, though. Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow, you weirdo! I knew he wasn't married to Patty Jenkins. I confused them. See? I confused them. I'm sorry, but You're, it's Catherine Bigelow who won an Oscar. Who... They're gonna know. They're gonna know who the take it or leave it uh, is. After yeah, this definitely leave it. <laughs> definitely leave him. Um, Listen to my. You heard me talk at length about Cat Shea. The knowledge that I yes. have. I should have never listened to you. <laughs> Just Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> Catherine Bigelow. You see. Anyways, I'm glad you corrected. Yeah, me. no, I I, I needed to mistake. express the correction. I was like, do I leave it? Do I no? <laughs> no we can't. We can't it. let this. I don't want it to we go We had already on moved That's on crazy. though. Like, yeah. We, uh, you know, James Cameron isn't even the the focus anymore. Like my apologies. The problem, regardless. Um. Well, Patty Jenkins didn't do the Hurt Locker, and that's a big, yeah. That's a big part of. So the what did whole Patty thing, Jenkins but... direct before Wonder Woman? I don't know. You tell she's, me you're, the, you're you're a biographer. I yeah, I, but if she's a Hillary supporter, we already know. She, I don't. That's why she's but the problem. she's definitely doing the Star Wars thing. Well, we all we know about her, she's doing Star Wars and she did this. Yeah, and that's enough for me to vilify. Definitely, her. definitely. And the fact that she supports Hillary. Um, did, did she support Hillary? Do we know that? That was another Daniel information. I don't know if that's true. Please keep talking while I. Well, okay, Ramon. While you look it up, I'm gonna give some some of my final thoughts before we we move on. Oh yeah, I I have nothing else to say about the movie uh, itself. I'm not an accent cop, but I because you know uh, policing people's accents can be problematic. But I don't have any pity pity for Gal Gadot, so I'm I'm thinking that every single other like Amazonian in the first scene was doing a really bad english accent to make gal gadot seem normal or like to explain why she like that's the amazonian accent just however gal gadot talks that's my that's my hot take on that (laughs) (laughs) okay so i got i got an article from ew.com from 2017 i'm gonna read it and we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this because it also involves James Cameron. Yeah, no, that's and that's why I associated it because I knew that there had been beef. Don't do that. There Don't had been beef. Your I, I, You're being. A I weasel. saw their names together in articles for years. 
you're a weasel. You're trying to weasel your way out of this one. We got you, I, weasel. <laughs> I, she, so, apparently, Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins has received much praise for her blockbuster superhero movie, but there was one person whose reaction was especially noteworthy, Hillary Clinton, who named the film in a mass mm. email. In the missive, she noted that it was just as inspirational as I'd suspected a movie about a strong, powerful woman in a fight to save the world from an international disaster oh, would be. Of course. She called Jenkins fabulous in a previous address. Ew. In a new email, with, in a new interview with Cosmopolitan, Jenkins reflected on Clinton's compliments. It's completely surreal. These sort of crossovers to the real world are surreal because there's like two versions of me, Jenkins explained. There's the me that's like, wow, Wonder Woman is kind of an icon to so many people, so I'm not surprised. On the other hand, I'm like, so our film? Those things we did? Those people have watched? Oh my god. And I'm so honored to be talked about by Hillary Clinton in this world. Jenkins recently defended her film after comments by Avatar director James Cameron, who said in another interview that Wonder Woman was not as revolutionary to the film industry as the hype had suggested, Damn. which is 100 percent true. 100 percent true, and good on him for <laughs> he saying it. He completely called it. He he's right once again. We must say that Cameron is has been vindicated. Yeah. James Cameron was was quoted as saying, "Dudes rock." <laughs> so okay i have one last thing to say about this movie and then that's it i'm i'm done and it's that after you know this revelation of, of hillary's reaction to it um it's it's true that this like the wonder woman movie franchise is not revolutionary and um what we have is another installment of what like white lady neoliberalism neolizardism like, kind of applies it kind of slaps, yeah. Um, but 100%. like this is yet another example of, um, you know, when we prop up a white woman who is um, purportedly like liberal and progressive, but meanwhile is not actually that in effect. Um, so I think that it's something we see all the time in the United States, like uh, politically large scale. Like, this is what Democrats are. This is what they they do. They put forward somebody um, who <laughs> is, is like a safe choice that is very centrist and doesn't make any decisions one way or the other except, um, mm -hmm. you know, like pro-capitalist stuff. So that's what this movie does, too, is it's very safe in, in its, like, lack of choices artistically but also completely toes the line of expected neoliberalism where you know there's tokenism and there's like right. racist portrayals of ethnic minorities and really weird calculated decisions about these things instead of just being honest and authentic with the storytelling like they center right. whiteness and war and imperialism and colonization in a way that makes it all okay, but what they're saying, like literally what the actors are saying is, you know, these things are bad. Um, so it sucks, um, and I hated it, and this is why I don't watch superhero movies. I'm sorry we had to do that to you. This is the second time where we've asked a guest to do something horrible to themselves. Wait, what was the first <laughs> time? Uh, Emma reading oh, the, right. the Fantastic Four comic that she hated. Was it? Which one was it? We were talking about uh, the Franklin Richards controversy. I was ask if let's, it just, was that one. let's just say it was called uh, "The Slot Has Landed on Us." We're all blocked by Dan yeah. now. Yeah. It's very unfortunate. 
I, I, I don't, you haven't listened to the episode, but I may or may not have accused his father of po- poisoning intentionally um, Mexican Americans in the the valley. You provided the receipts. The same. I provided the receipts, but it, it, you know he might not have taken it that like uh, me being an intrepid journalist. He might have thought me being just like a flamethrower, or a muckraker. Wait, like um, whose father? Slot. Uh, Dan Slot's father. Actual father. Because yeah, Ramon Ramon's shame is that he shares a a hometown <laughs> with Mr. Slot. Not shame. I'm totally happy to share a hometown with Dan Slot. I did not know that. Okay, we'll we'll talk about that listen after the we're episode. not recording. Yeah, no, anywhere. The, I'll, I'll tell you, you after the show. You should just listen to the I'll, episode. I'll go into it more. Uh, with Emma. Episode. It was a great episode. Four. The slot has landed on us. Um. I believe four. I think. But anyways. Yeah, that was a rough read for me too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Leia, my point is, I'm really glad that you said that. I don't even have anything to add after that. I thought that was so good. I'm not even going to say anything more. We're going to hammer that shut. Yeah. <laughs> I won't even tell you what James Cameron said about how this movie, that movie was not revolutionary. It wasn't. It wasn't. We said it. And the we fact that it. people, that movie was so gaslighting and the fact that, you know, it's like Warner presents it as being revolutionary is so... <laughs> so Boring. so what do you got going on what are you doing x-factor yeah so i write x-men comics for marvel <laughs> specifically x-factor and um i i love it and i have a lot of fun in the x office this has been the greatest joy of my life so i also need to explain that um it's it's because we we operate differently <laughs> um it's very working in a shared world and working with like superhero mythos and characters um and also like licensed property um it 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 has some unique challenges in it but the x office is very different in what we're doing uh, because we're headed up by jonathan hickman and his Mm. focus is on um creative freedom and like giving us um, free reign basically um, and telling the best story possible so obviously I'm having a fucking blast um, and it's nothing like uh, what I watched <laughs> from Wonder Woman <laughs> so, that's... Well, you know I think the like I I'm also a person who makes and made or made like more like mainstream big two comics for like the most of my career right and I feel like there is always like a thing where people are like, well, you make those comics. So like, you know, you are just as part of the establishment as anybody. Else. You know what I mean? Like you are as responsible for the, like, these kinds of like shitty right. politics in Disney movies, right. shitty politics in Warner Brothers movies. And it's like, no, the thing is, um, I do what I do. I just make a living and I tell the stories that I, I think are good at Disney and at Warner Brothers. I got to tell like cool stories that I don't, I've never found them to be like crazy, you yeah, know? And people, and, like, they, they don't understand how disconnected superhero comics are from the yeah. movies. Like they, you know, the, the, the actual comics are always way, way better and more nuanced. Even like the problematic right. comics are still, um, more nuanced we did, than the movies. We did two hours on Civil War. I think it was last uh, week. The week, the week before, before when we had Tamara on. Uh, yeah, we loved Yeah, we did, Civil we did War. two hours about a comic that was like, it's super problematic, but we're just like, 
We could talk about this. First, so yes. we did two hours on the first issue. Text of it. Yes. Just one issue. <laughs> that's like that's like our we're loving that. That's our that's our low. Oh, that's right. Last week was also Longbow Hunters with Alana. So like we've done like those two comics are like they could be problematic at points. They can have things that we don't agree with. They're both big two comics from different companies that are like you know we could discuss them and not just write them off for being like corporate books. Yeah. You know hundred I mean? percent because it's still and not I as think... strict as like the marching orders that we see in DC movies. Um, like the creative restrictions that are being put into place before the creators, um, like the directors and artists can get their hands on uh, the story right. are but... really, really stringent compared to what's effectively like a pasture that comics creators right. play in. Well, the biggest thing to me, though, is when you – there's this book that I'm in the middle of reading right now called How to Read Donald Duck, and it's it's from, like, the 70s? Or, no, it would be from the 60s. And it was um it was basically this Chilean uh, critic who was in Chile, and he was seeing all these comic books coming in from America that were, like, Walt Disney Donald Duck comics. And he was, like, you know, they were the most popping books out there at the time. You know, they were like uh, Carl Banks and stuff. So he's seeing all these books and they have all these like hyper-capitalist imperialist messages. And at the time, Chile was a socialist country, mm -hmm. right? And when, again, when the CIA overtook it, they took a lot of those books, they threw them in the ocean and they burned them because it was a book, it was a, con it was a book about how to read this text, which is not overtly political, but find the sort of hyper-capitalist, you know, imperialist, messages inside of them and it's and somebody talked about well you know it's not like carl banks was being told by disney here's what the comics are supposed to be about but carl banks had a lot of those things in him because he is from a capitalist society and i don't think you know he could have been pro-worker pro-labor whatever the fuck but he didn't express that in the books and that's something to to notice when you're looking at the stuff is not just you know who puts it out but who made it because that's always more important. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, and, like, you know, if you buy a book from me or Leah or for some reason Daniel. No, there's no reason to, to <laughs> buy a book from me. No, no, no. Shout out Holy Holy West. That book's going to be hot. Yeah, it is. As soon as the I draw it, it's going to be hot. <laughs> it's going to be hot. But the, the point is, like, when you buy from creators that have good politics, you can, you know, kind of insulate yourself from supporting the systems because like i don't know about you but when i have money to donate to good causes i do oh, that totally. you know Same. so i don't have shame in like donating <laughs> i don't have shame in like telling people oh go read fucking well you know border town's a bad example but any of the other books that I've but done. if your co-creator if if eric had not been such a piece of shit it would have been awesome like it your every, your work and the every, premise was awesome people when people support me, they are supporting, like, you know, my values on, a, on like, a very, like, immediate way. Yeah, yeah. That's... So, and, like, same with you. That's why, like, when, when the, when coronavirus hit, I remember you were, like, one of the people leading, like, save the comic store type uh, initiative type, you know, shit. I was um, one of the first, yeah, because yeah, I, I had about 24 hours like when, when Diamond shut down, I had about 24 hours of asking myself, like, why is nobody doing anything? Where are all the grown ups? Why, like, how come this isn't being taken care of? 
And then I realized like, well, fuck you all. I'll do it myself. <laughs> right. And it was like pretty like organized. I was like retweeting it. Cause I'm like, I don't I, like, listen, Leia seems to have it under control. I don't know what the fuck any of this. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, hey, I support this, but I don't know anything about it. But, you know, like the part of the reason why that thing was so crazy was like comics operate in this way where when you buy a book, you are buying it from an independent retailer who gets co- who gets stuff from Image, DC, Marvel, IDW, like everybody. Yeah. Right? So the entire so, like Western comics industry is resting on the shoulders of mostly um, small businesses, uh, comic right. shops, these like independent businesses, and that is a really precarious position to put them in when they're one supplier because there is a an industry like print monopoly or or distribution monopoly i should say um uh everything collapses onto them as individuals and because we're not unionized as an industry there is literally no structure to support any of these small business owners and it is devastating to them to put the weight of like dc and marvel and disney and image on small businesses so like and the worst part about that to me is like those two companies like Marvel and DC at this point, they're owned by like mega conglomerates. Yeah. Who, they don't give a fuck about us. They are like, that is a tax write off. That is just to keep the IP in print so that in like however many years we still own that yeah. shit. So or whoever owns like, stuff, they still own We're like own skin plates but, of a much bigger beast. <laughs> right. Exactly. So like, so like part of the reason they don't give a shit is like, you see all the stuff that is going on with theaters now. And with this thing, with, with Wonder Woman 84 is like they control the ability for you to watch it by you giving HBO Max the money that you gave them, yeah. right? They don't own that with comic shops. Right. So when you buy a book, you are, you know, like you are giving money to a store owner who's trying to run a business and they would prefer it to not have any independent theaters because then they can't control every fucking thing, you know? And that's what's so funny about that movie, you know, to go back to it is like, that movie is suggesting what if we were all sort of like owners in this shit together. And that movie said like, no, you can't all have the power. Yeah. You can't all have uh, anything to like, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Like, and be, that's heinous. Be comfortable with where you're at. It's, it's awful. Like Pedro Pascal, be happy just being a single father of this little Asian looking. Accept <laughs> your lot in life. And you know, that's it. And it's, it. it's so funny and, that like now I can, I can reference my work. Um, because I don't know, uh, Krakoa, like the place where all of the X Men comics are set right now, yeah. is like a communist utopia, and it's why I'm such a like devoted fan of of my my peers and colleagues in the X office is because this is our shared world building that we're doing in Krakoa, <laughs> yeah. and it is very important to me. And even if I am just like a skin flake on a much bigger Disney beast. Um, I, maybe bleep that part out if you can later. I don't know if that'll get me in trouble. I'm like, I'm at the bottom of the food chain is what I'm saying. Um, no, I mean, we both are like, I, I was, it's just I, how I, it is. Yeah. Same thing, like, like even if you know what I mean? we like, are that small in, in comparison to like who owns the companies that we work for, it still doesn't change the fact that I get to tell the most meaningful stories of my life within a superhero mythology um and also i get to like (laughs) 
do it in a way that doesn't compromise my my morals right. and ethics as a person. I think. Did you watch? Did you watch a uh, Mink? No. There's like an interesting thing about there in that movie about sort of like working within a studio system, working with it like just felt super sort of powerful because he's a guy who is like sort of alone in this like at that time hyper conservative sort of like uh media sphere where like every Hollywood director, producer, actor was like kind of just you know, like money passing back and forth and they were all you know, trying to get Republicans, you know, elected instead of a, a, a straight up socialist in California. And um, it's like a person dealing with like, can he have sort of uh, like socialist politics in a world filled with capitalists? You yeah. know what I mean? Um, it's it's really it's really good. I'd recommend uh, yeah, it. I'll have but to check um, there's like there's just some great moments where like he finally makes the, like Citizen Kane, which is just like the biggest fuck you to to everything and you know it's it's like what the whole movie is built around is like him remembering being with this uh in that system where it's just like oppressive capitalism and that's like you know how it feels to be any kind of like leftist in comics is like at some point somebody ahead of you even if it's not the if you know as an artist if it's not the writer the editor whoever like at some point somebody is going to be not politically aligned with you and how do you rationalize that and how do you make it so that the content that you put out you're morally comfortable with you know it's easy it's actually really easy to do if you're if you're self-published and if you if you go that oh, route. totally yeah but but what's going to get more eyes on it if you're writing batman or if you're writing some random image book that is kind of like batman which they would never put out because they don't do superhero <laughs> books. Yeah, and right? like that's what's so like what is more noble? Miraculous. I, I get I get really pissed if people say to me right now yeah. because we are like everybody. There, there's no wealth on Krakoa. There, there's no wealth sure. inequality, and so not having that in in the way of our storytelling has opened up the possibility of like much more complex and nuanced and interesting um like villains and conflict because we don't just have this like oppressive structure of capitalism in the world where everybody lives and thrives and it's um right my one and of my that, favorite things about the storytelling that's and that's that's the thing is like people will like sort of there there are people like on twitter or you know wherever that would just like for sort of thumb their nose at the idea that you would do that with you know like uh Richter or whatever <laughs> and they're like oh but you're just cashing er ike perlmutter checks or whatever and it's like no i'm telling the story about what you're what you just talked about right mm -hmm. and that's what that's what matters do you like that you're going to reach somebody by doing it in that system that they're not going to read to because you're preaching to the converted if if you're not if you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like not to overly valorize working in like you know the corporate system but that is that there is validity to that it's and a I silver lining something that I think gets yeah it's something that I, I think I can that gets overlooked being like what I find personally refreshing because nobody is trying to make these comics as a form of like proselytizing you know, political values right. as much as people, 100%. um, you know, will say that like when my, when X factor was first announced, I got a lot of, um, 
attention, both good and bad, for having uh, a very queer cast. Like there are multiple queer cast members. And so the way that I chose my X Factor teen cast is based on their powers and who I thought would be good, because this is X Factor Investigations. I was looking at which superheroes were still available, had not been snapped up in other books, but also would be awesome in an investigative capacity. And that happened to be a lot of queer characters because they were not chosen to be on other teams prior to this. And I am bisexual. I identify as queer. I'm not afraid to have a very queer cast. So I was just like, cool. Yeah, that's like an added bonus. But I didn't set out to be, you know, the queer book to, to, to pick up that, that mantle specifically. It was one that I was happy to hold, um, based on the, the best possible story I was already coming up with. Like that is a part of it, but it is not, you know, like a tokenism, um, arbitrary decision that I made. It's just not a decision I was afraid of making. That's tight. All right, well, um, Danny, did you have something else to say? Uh, I, uh, I remembered uh, right before we were recording, uh, I, I was uh, mentioning or, or, or talking to Leah a little bit about her experience uh, with X Factor. And uh, Leah, you mentioned that there was this aspect of working in continuity or in a bigger world that you felt that wonder woman fudged it on did you ever get to get um, that point off or i no i i didn't um bring that up at any point during recording but it is something that i kept noticing while watching it because it is such stark contrast to my experience working within shared continuity and like superhero stuff i could see where the the like baton drop off was being um, or handoff was being dropped multiple times throughout the movie and how, because of how different it is with my experience. I like, I love my job. I love the current X office lineup, um, and all of my colleagues and peers. And a big part of that is there's no like artistic ego in the room. Everybody is happy and excited about what we're working on and we, we help each other. It's, it's focused on community and, um, you know, building out this world as seamlessly as we can. So there's no like <sighs> breaking each other's toys, story toys or anything like that. It's all like just fun and cohesive. I think Hickman calls it, what's his word? Holistic. Um, but it's also very yeah. like natural and it comes across in the books. And the difference in what we watch today is like, that that movie this movie is so disjointed and disconnecting in terms on, on every front the cinematography the directorial choices um pedro pascal being a brilliant actor alone <laughs> and not having anything adjusted to his brilliant performance um it's all so like discordant that i could see where it, it was inharmonious because of the lack of communication and because um the film set and the creative part like it it wasn't playing well with each other um 
the movies generally don't give a shit about the comics. Uh, it's it's not new to this in particular, but because film is such an orchestral medium like comics, where there are a lot of um, moving parts that have to work in conjunction with each other to pull off a final product, like you know, not a lot of art works this way. Um, when it's done poorly, like in this Wonder Woman movie, it's really obvious. Right. Well, um, I think we're going to start yeah, wrapping we're, up. Yeah, we're at two hours and a half. Before we're we do, almost longer than the actual <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, we're two and a half hours. But, but before we do, uh, we wanted to read some reviews from iTunes because we got some again, which is great. I, I, I love reading reviews. The- <laughs> I This week, I feel like some of the reviews are like, you know, take them or leave them. I don't know. Bit. I feel like but, the, the, the listeners came, came in to uh, uh, rescue me a little bit. I was here's the, here's the good I was no, I drowning that, at but sea. here's the main one that we got <laughs> there was Gidgen 12 says great host great guests that's you Leith thank you again for joining us great insight and wisdoms my new favorite comics podcast that's incredible that's like five Aww. stars that's thank you Gidgen 12 so thank nice. you so much what uh, uh I think we don't need to read the rest of them right it's no no like... come on read 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 the top one uh no wait no wait no um, no 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 don't read the top one I mean <laughs> the most helpful one we already about, read a few times but I'll read another one I guess I'll read six another one comic podcast it. the only six star comics podcast by J R H seven 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 oh also by the way the last one said not Ramon Villalobos knows what's up that was mm-hmm. the headline so you know and that podcast review legendary great podcast specifically I think Ramon Villalobos is a great host with profound you had wisdom. to read Daniel, it. Like you had read. to. They that just they said he knows what's up. And I, I just asked had to you that review multiple the, times off. Okay, yeah, yeah, did yeah. Not read that review okay. again. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. We talked about this a few times, <sighs> but so JRH seven 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 only six star review podcast. Although he only gave it five stars, says a great comic book podcast hosted Period. by Daniel Irizarry. He leaves it right there, uh, and feel, feels like that. It covers it covers a wide range of comic books. <laughs> And there have been some really great guests. Again, like you, Leia, thank you again so much. The host of the podcast, Daniel Irizarry, mm, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's the I don't think he's the host of the podcast. Maybe I don't know. I think he's I think he's noticing comedic, something. Kind of like a comedic sidekick that just like kind of like Andy Richter I, I, is very I'm insightful and does great is very insightful and does great impressions. A must listen every week. Well, I like the last yeah, part. But he's talking about he's about talking about I'm a must listen. Very insightful. You thought Catherine Bigelow and Patty Jenkins was the uh, same person. You, d- you have a history of sexism. I have a history of confusing certain white person, women. I'm sorry. J-R-H- I, I was just about to say, like, I also thought that Patty Jenkins. Was I sounded the very convincing, like, right? I sounded very Walker. convincing at that moment. No, I, I like. It was it, a not bit. Only that, but I also got them mixed up, like legitimately. It's and the, there are too many I didn't. white ladies. I just didn't want. I to was doing him. a bit. This was like a joke, a well, yeah, joke that I did. On this podcast, though, the thing is that I, I have a strict we, we must respect women pol- uh, po- I know, policy. I know, but as a woman, Daniel I don't, is constantly... and my praxis is to point <laughs> out that there are too many neoliberal white ladies running Hollywood, so yeah. I have to say Daniel it. consistently breaks my I'm elevating policy, voices women. like Leah's. Specifically, <laughs> I'm not speaking about myself. I'm just talking about women I know who hate certain women. 
Well, in the interest of just being a completist, we'll read one more review. I think this is the last of the... Was there only three new ones? Yeah. You're talking about yeah. one one of new favorite podcasts? Or are you talking about Barney Stinson? Uh, The Barney Stinson one is one of new favorite podcasts. Is that one? One of new favorite podcasts. Yeah, Bar- Barney Stinson. Says his, his name is by Barney Stinson. That guy's awesome. Um, which yeah. you know, I I like that show. I don't think he's. I don't think Barney's, Barney's not my person, favorite man. guy. That, I think if this is a reference, he's the worst part on that show. I love. I'm a Marshall guy myself. Mm. I am. Uh, let, let's get. Let's. Sorry, we're not gonna. You're a Ted, you're yeah, a classic Ted. You don't. I. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they say a great, a really great comic po- book podcast. Ho- Wait, this one. Oh, that was, that was wrong. Fantastic podcast. Daniel is a great co-host with many profoundly funny jokes. That's that's nice. Period. They ended. And <laughs> Are you sure there's not one more one more sentence? Hold on, let me just expand. Oh, expand a, it. Yeah, there is one more. It says uh, Ramon, oh. I can take or leave, but I don't think they meant that. I think this is a Barney Stinson guy. I'm a Marshall guy. There, we're not. So you think be, they were doing a bit that you know. this was this was like sarcasm? This should have had like a slash joke. At the end. Slash joke. That's not a safe space. The iTunes reviews are getting yeah. toxic because people are starting people are to starting say to things do that they don't sick mean. stuff like treating Ramon like they treat me. And that's not allowed. <laughs> I'm clearly the... I don't know about... The, who'd you call him? Andy Richter? God damn. The Andy Richter, the... What's the... Um, what's... Actually, a great analogy. Have you ever seen Larry Sanders' show? Hey Now, Hank Kingsley? You're like that guy because he was transphobic. He didn't. Damn, respect him I'm either. all those things. And I'm kind of like the the Larry Sanders. Holy shit! I, w- I thought you were gonna say I I was like the Jimmy Kimmel's Mexican. No, the dynamic is more like. Sorry if I'm ruining a bit here, but the dynamic is no, more like um, Ramon is Hannibal Burris and Daniel, you're Eric Andre. I'm Eric you're- Andre. Holy shit. Wait. Yeah, because you're. Oh wow! So that's the opposite of what I was saying. You're... Actually, I I'm the one who introduces the show. I'm the host. He's I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like he's more chaotic, <laughs> oh, <I laughs> and see. you're you're the one who delivers a lot of like. Dead you're man ma- Ramon's humor. a man of substance, like Hannibal Burris. <laughs> I, I but I'm profoundly funny jokes. No, but Leia was saying profound wisdoms. Is that what you're going to say? Um, I don't remember. Great insights and profound wisdoms. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Daniel, er, Daniel Eric Andre. <laughs> I don't know, like, <laughs> With profoundly funny uh, jokes. Leia, where can people follow, where can people follow you? Um, I'm Handax on all social media except for Twitter, where I'm my monster is Sheik. C-H-I-C. Yeah, and uh, what what can what can they get to support you? Is there any like uh... what books you have coming out? Um, X Factor uh, from Marvel Comics. Uh, we're on issue six comes out next week, and it's the start of a brand new arc. You don't need to have read anything before that point to join our newest um, investigation, and it's super fun and super gay. Got some disaster bisexuals on my team. It's Dakin. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying what I've read of Dakin. He is he's my kind of energy. <laughs> my chemical romance fan. Bisexual. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Extremely Daniel. chaotic. I can see why you would like him. Daniel, where can they follow you? Uh just Google. Find me on Google um, at Daniel Irizarry. Can they f- 
can they find you on the gutter boys podcast they they can find because, me on some gutter boys content i guess because here's the thing is uh leia sorry i don't even want to drag the dirty laundry yeah, of our podcast you're being brought show, into but, this beef oh it's but fine daniel showed me a very funny clip i said oh great content for our show the show that you're on and he gave it to a different podcast to post on their instagram account yes really nicely he complimented he the gave show. me you're a fire emoji we're trying to get we're try- <laughs> he gave you a fire emoji yeah but we're trying to get people to listen to our show not their show fuck their show they talk about oh this person won an ignatz award we don't like it oh blah 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 i don't their show's stupid their show's fucking dumb I, Nobody even. I think they have some good have, commercials. Have, they edited in some good commercials. We have and, uh, as many customer reviews on iTunes as they have. They've been doing that show for two months or two years. We've been doing this show for two months. They're dropping merch. We're putting out episodes. There's a difference. Why are you giving them content like that? This is crazy. I I have you heard Cam or JB's voice? It's very deep and soothing. And no, oh, I haven't weird. heard them. I don't listen to that I, show. So the issue of X Factor coming out next week, the preview just dropped <laughs> yesterday. What you just said is is a line of dialogue in the issue preview. Are you oh, for really? real? Like verbatim, word for Which word. Which part? Yeah. What did I say? Who said what? Um, the voice is, is deep and very soothing. Like literally <laughs> verbatim, that is a line of dialogue. That, that, that is... You should have said that about our show. What are you talking about other people's shows like that for? Well, you're not on Leia's that show. bringing up her X Factor at this moment when when you're trying to Leia, make that this. Was I'm so glad you made that great observation. But Daniel, you're <laughs> ruining everything. I I'm I'm trying. I I thought we were friends in the. No, we're friends. I, I'll get over it. I, I'm not an egomaniac. I left the ego in 2020. Whenever I post, Anyways, whenever I post some art, could... they give me fire emojis. They've been buttering me up. They're very nice well, to me, and I, and I'm sorry that sometimes I give you the thumbs up. I'm sorry I sometimes, went against the wait, pod. Wait, what's that? Was that Leia? I I I'm googling them so I can find things to not like if that's valid. Um, just don't and, like them as people. No, don't even find but, out about it. We're not. Ah, oh, now we're driving traffic. <laughs> you're over them to more, them. Look, you're doing it right now. Wait, why Leia, have they not asked me to be on their podcast? Don't because they like to talk to. They like to talk to indie goons. Yeah. I went on there. I'm oh. the True Outlaw podcast. I went out there. I gave them a piece of my mind. If, they like drawn and quarterly and fanographics. Yeah, if you don't live in the, if you don't live in the drawn and quarterly like back alley, I said, I said I make real comics. I don't make fake comics. I don't make comics for hipsters in Portland <laughs> when they're drinking mocha lattes. I make comics for real people. Okay, in real comic book stores, not fantasy ones, but. <laughs> That's anyways. Well, their Twitter can... header is a screenshot of a forum uh, titled, which X-Men do you think has had sex the most? So I'm just wondering why they wouldn't like, you know, reach out. to. I feel like you would be an expert, but we don't want to give them that content now. I'm, I'm, I'm on timeout. <laughs> Ramon has me on so timeout. Like, I can't discuss. The next time you guys are looking for guests and you want to one up the gutter nice. boys, um, just reach out to me and, and oh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about like which X-Men yes. oh, the most. Leia, you've been a great guest and we're definitely going to have you back. <laughs> thank you so much um, for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Sorry I had to a blast. bring our horrible Daniel's horrible stuff into this. This, but, is, like, this is like bringing a friend over and having <laughs> your dad scream at you. 
while <laughs> the really, friend is I'm over. I'm really sorry. Well, it's still like an Eric Andre bit, though, because I, I <laughs> cannot tell if this is real beef or not, or if it's a bit. So, um, it uh, works, is what I'm saying. Like, it's, you're it's the, you're the, you're the oblivious guest, and, <laughs> totally, and me and totally. Ramon so, are going insane on you. <laughs> so, so I would, I would like to say, uh, you can follow me at Ramon Villalobos, follow the show at Flintalo on Twitter. We don't have an Instagram yet. Maybe that's why you gave it to the Gutter Boys. They have an Instagram. They were going to post the video on Instagram. They didn't post it on Twitter. We we do have Patreon and patreon.com slash mexflintalo. And, you know, we got some new Patreon supporters. And Daniel, you know, maybe you should ask the Gutter Boys if you can get their money. Because I was going to give you some of this. But now I'm thinking you're going to hold out on on their fucking podcast. You're going to hold out on me for a month? JB. And Daniel Rosari. Maybe that's what I'm you not want. Cool. I'm know. not cool enough to get on that. If I if I could get on that, I wouldn't be on here. Take it away, hell yeah, babies. <laughs> <laughs>